0: Somebody get that kid a sandwich. Well, if it isn't the star-spangled man with a plan, what is your plan today? knocked that Adolf Hitler over 200 times.
1: Welcome to MCU Complete Me, the podcast about all the movies of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. My name is Crystal, and with me as always is Luke.
0: Show me the Marvel. That's what? Because that's the line from the. I've been doing that for most episodes. doing a Jerry Maguire quote at the top. Sorry, what movie is that? Oh, oh. Well, you see, you know how our show is called MCU Complete Me? Yeah. I don't know if you know this, but you complete me is a is a very you know. Memorable line from the film Jerry Maguire starring Tom Cruise.
1: I thought it was from The Dark Knight.
0: Wait, who says it? Oh, that's right, the Joker says it. Uh...
1: The Joker does say that iconic line. Yeah, he does. It's original.
0: <laughs> you know, he kind of says it mean... with the exact same cadence, too. Does
1: that mean Jerry Maguire exists in the Nolan universe? Mm,
0: that's the question. Is the Joker making a Jerry Maguire ref, or does he just happen to also think Batman completes him?
1: I'm going to say the Jerry Maguire is a movie that the Joker has watched in theaters.
0: Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or on home video. <laughs> yeah, who knows? Who could say? Maybe he <laughs> saw <laughs> it on an airplane.
1: Before we get started, I have one very important question.
0: What's that? What's up? Uh, not a whole lot. Um, they remade the first Dark Souls video game, so I've just been playing that way too much. It's a good video game, and I like playing it. I got me an axe. This is pretty good. You got Axe? I do.
1: Did you kill the Dark Soul and become the Dark Soul?
0: Uh, I don't know if I killed... I haven't killed the Dark Soul yet. I, I, I'm on my way to becoming the Dark Soul, I think.
1: Tell me about Dark Souls lore.
0: Oh, boy. That's that's a big question, Chris. I saw you were talking about maybe doing... Or, or Cameron was talking about maybe doing a bonus episode of Book of Medora on Dark Souls. And I was going to pester you to let me in to guest on that.
1: You're very welcome to guest on that. I would
0: like to very much. I like Dark Souls lore a lot. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Why? I don't know. It's just... I I like that they don't tell you... Like, if you just play that video game, like I did the first time, there's no story in that game. It's nothing. It's just you run around and you fight weird monsters. But then if you, like, start looking at, like, the level design, like, oh, why is this item next to this character? Like, they make you detective out what the story of that game is, and I think that's really neat. And it just... It's not like... An amazing story, but it's presented in a really cool way that makes it very memorable to me.
1: Yeah, I think it's a pretty good game.
0: I like it. Anyway, what have you been up to?
1: Uh, Well, I just got back from watching Han Solo, a Star Wars story. Oh, yeah, how was that? Uh, You know, they sure hit the beats that all of the Han Solo fans wanted to see. Okay, okay. He, uh... he does the Kessel Run in 12 parsecs. Okay, yeah. Even though, normally, it can never be done in less than 20.
0: How did they resolve the fact... Because, I mean, that's always been a big thing in Star Wars trivia, is that parsecs is a unit of like length, not time. How did they resolve that in that? Well, so,
1: okay, so the run is between a planet that uh, like mines raw hyperfuel and a planet that refines the hyperfuel into a usable state. Okay. And, you know, the normal run is not a straight line. You have to navigate through various space obstacles. Right, okay. The Han Solo took a shortcut using the computer brain of his robot friend, Leet.
0: Right, they... Okay, should we spoil what happens about that in that movie? Because I do know what happens.
1: Yeah, I'll spoil Han Solo, a Star Wars story. All
0: right, I guess don't, uh... Don't listen if you don't want to hear spoilers for Solo, a Star Wars story. The Millennium Falcon's alive and it always has been in every movie we've seen. I guess not right? when it cameoed you? in the prequels. But it's got a computer brain in there. Yeah. And it's like, it's a droid's rights activist brain, right?
1: Well, it's a, it's a droid that Lando Calrissian is in love with because he is pansexual.
0: Right, yes, yes. And that means he likes even the robots.
1: But no, it's, it's not like her consciousness, is just like her navigational system.
0: Oh, okay, okay. The way I had seen it, it was, uh... The way I had heard it, it sounded like it was her, like, entire brain, and she just doesn't, she can't talk in there, so it's just like, oh. But
1: There's a point in the movie where Han shoots first. Oh, okay. Uh, Darth Maul's in the
0: movie? Yeah, I've heard Darth Maul's in this movie. What?
1: Yeah, he's like the leader of the crime organization. What? Uh, what? <laughs> uh-huh. Have you seen Star Wars Rebels?
0: Uh, I have not seen Star Wars Rebels.
1: Well, watch Star Wars Rebels. I've heard from trusted sources that it's quite good.
0: Okay, sure. Um, I was thinking, because once I heard Darth Maul was back, it made me wonder, how long do you think Disney's gonna go before they say you know what, we own this Star Wars property, we're building it out in every direction, we are tired of having to tiptoe around the prequels that everyone hates, we're going to remake them.
1: Uh, 20 years after the death of George Lucas.
0: Oh wow, you think it's going to take that much time?
1: Yes. Mm. I hope they give that man another Star Wars movie.
0: Um, you know what, sure, like, I, I'm kind of okay with that idea too. Like, if it was just one, sure, yeah, why not?
1: He should direct episode 12.
0: I don't know if I. I might not give him an episode. I might give him a Star you Wars story.
1: Direct episode X.
0: <laughs> uh, the thing about the prequels is they're bad movies, but like on like a very top level plot structure level, like he made all the right calls about what they should be about. He just didn't write them right or direct them good.
1: Friend of the show Jackson has been slowly converting me to the prequels.
0: I, I don't think they're good movies. I think they are they are good ideas done badly. Like, if you came to me and pitched me, like, okay, you love Star Wars, here's my idea of a story. We're going to go back in time, Darth Vader as, like, a young, hotshot pilot, like, you know, but he's, like, a racer. And he's going to be coming like, a Jedi in the rise of this war, but it's going to be more, like, m- morally gray and murky and not the black-and-white conflict of the original Star Wars. And he's going to become, like, this famous war hero... And fall in love, but then, like, that's gonna be his, like, Achilles' heel, and he's gonna have a tragic downfall and become Darth Vader. Like, that sounds like a great story. I want to watch those movies.
1: Draw connections between the rise of High Chancellor Palpatine and President George W. Bush.
0: Uh, Okay, now you're losing me a little bit.
1: I mean, that's what they did. I
0: know that's what they did, and it's some of the most ham-fisted parts of those movies. I mean, you know. So this is how democracy dies to thunderous applause. What, what, that's fine. That's a fine line. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It, it felt very on the nose. He, he he killed
1: not only the men, but the women and the children, too. Right. And he slaughtered them like animals. Right,
0: see, maybe don't have that part in it.
1: <laughs> that's a good part.
0: I i i think that might be an okay part for the third movie. I feel like the second movie should be when you, like, are falling in... Like, it it should be like poetry and rhyme with the original series where, like... Part two is the dark middle chapter of the original trilogy. Part two of the prequel should be like, oh, we've won. This is exciting. We're all cool heroes and we're beautiful and perfect and everything's great. And then, but leave dangling threads that lead the whole thing coming unraveled in episode three. Like, that's how it should go.
1: You don't like the part where Anakin and Padme Amidala are rolling around in the field and Anakin admits that he supports a fascist dictatorship?
0: No, no, I don't actually.
1: Okay,
0: well... Well, I I was thinking about this the other day, too. Like, the first movie, first of all, should not have... He shouldn't be a little boy. He should just be the same actor in the other two movies. It should just open with him doing the pod race. And, like, that should be the intro to the movie. That you just have this cool pod racer kid. Okay. And then, like, the Jedi crash on his planet after he wins the race. And they get sucked up into the world of, like, back alley underground racing to get off the planet and get back to the star war they were in.
1: But Luke, the trade federation,
0: you yeah, have the trade federation. But sure. But have them be like, no, no, we've got to get off this planet. All right. Well, we, Luke, I'm a pod racer. I'm the best. May I pose a challenge to you? Yeah, What's that?
1: Can you explain to me the purpose and the motivations of the trade federation?
0: Okay. I can try. <laughs> I think, I think the idea of the trade federation is that they are, I mean, just by their name, they sound like they are sort of a, a very large, like, corporate conglomerate out in space. And if I had to guess, I think the idea is that there is a uh, sort of political battle about taxes uh, involving... You know, the Galactic Senate and the Trade Federation, they probably want more, you know, you know, the, the same as in uh, the real world. They want to be more deregulated, and they are using their private army to put a blockade around planet Naboo to basically hold that planet hostage in their negotiations. I think that's what you're supposed to get out of all of that.
1: I think that's more or less correct.
0: I will be right back. Sorry. when captain america throws his mighty
1: shield all those who chose to oppose his shield must yield if he's led to a fight and a duel is
0: duke and the red and the white and the blue will come through when captain america throws his mighty shield hey sorry about that i'm back
1: luke you've been gone so long i feel like i was frozen in ice for 67 years oh boy should we get into the movie captain america The First Avenger.
0: Captain America, The First Avenger, Tell me a little bit
1: about your history and relationship with Captain America, The First Avenger. Okay.
0: It was part of that same week-long binge of Marvel movies uh, to get ready to watch The Avengers on Netflix. Um, At the time, I remembered it being my favorite one of them. It was like, oh, hey, that one's pretty good. Um, And I haven't rewatched it since then. I've rewatched, like, bits and pieces on TV or something. I rewatched it today. I don't think... I like it as much as I did before.
1: Yeah, I saw this movie in theaters on my birthday. Yeah. And it, it was the first one of these that, like, I really loved, that I thought was really something special. Uh-huh. I agree that on this rewatch, I'm not quite as high on it. Yeah. Um, I did I did previously hold it to be the best Captain America film. Okay, okay. I'm interested to see if that holds.
0: Yeah, I've still got to rewatch Winter Soldier. Um, we'll, we'll see. Um... Yeah, this movie, I think it, like all of these movies, it starts very strong, and it even ends pretty strong, but it gets a little lost in the middle, I think.
1: Structurally, this movie is quite interesting because the main character does not have a character arc.
0: That is true, Um, and it's weird because I think they do plant the seeds to make an interesting one for him uh, in the early part of the movie, but then they don't really follow through on it. Um, what do you mean? Well, okay. So the basic idea of Captain America is he is an extremely um, courageous, honorable person who's just in a very wimpy body, and then he gets a buff body, and he gets to show the world just how like perfect he is on the inside, even. But what I l- we'll get into it deeper as we go. Early on in the movie, Bucky has a line to him about how he accuses him of this, not just being him. Having a selfless sense of duty to be a soldier, but that he almost, he kind of accused him of having a chip on his shoulder about being such a puny guy and he's out to, like, prove something. And I feel like they could have made a lot of interesting, not make Captain America a worse person, but give him that personality trait where he still has, like, those honorable instincts do have a little bit of internal conflict with his, like, inferiority complex. And I think that could have made something really interesting and then let him resolve that inner conflict and become that a Captain America we knew he always would be by the end of it. I think that would be a little stronger. Yeah, that's an interesting angle. Yeah. But uh, y- you're right. The way the movie works as is, he is just a perfect boy who then gets the buffest bod and uh, just goes beats up Nazis for the rest of the time. And Yeah, I, I think that would also be fine... But I think you need to put a strong character arc on somebody else to sort of shoulder that uh, narrative burden if you're going to not have him change it all throughout the movie. I feel like another way to fix this movie would be make Peggy Carter the main character. Yeah? Yeah, I think that would be a little more interesting to me than just... Boy,
1: do I have a show for you. I know,
0: I know. <laughs> I know they made a TV show about her. It's just a pretty good show. Is it? Yeah. I could see that being okay. Yeah. Um. There... The... <laughs> This is going to be really dumb. We'll get into it later. I would argue this is the closest, in a very, very roundabout way, this is the closest they've come in a Marvel movie to teasing the She-Hulk. We'll get to it.
1: No, explain that to me now.
0: No, no, we'll get to it. No, explain it
1: to me now, Luke. (laughs) I'm not continuing the podcast until you explain that.
0: I want it to be a teaser for the later on down the road.
1: Okay, you better get to it. <laughs>
0: okay, we I'm will.
1: i running down on a notepad, so I don't forget.
0: No, I will definitely bring it up.
1: Ask Luke about <laughs> She-Hulk. Okay, let's get to You're the film. Be
0: very mad at me when I explain my reasoning.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: <laughs> anyway, yeah, still Paramount Pictures. That's still where we're at right now.
1: The film opens with a weirdly long sequence. Yeah. Yeah, they could have cut this down a bit of some guys, some S.H.I.E.L.D. boys in the Arctic. They found some kind of crashed airplane. Yeah. And inside the airplane is Captain America.
0: Right, They like there's the scene where they like dust the frost off of like his S.H.I.E.L.D. encased in ice. And you're right, this could have been done in probably less than a minute, but they spend a decent amount of time up here with just... A lot of incidental dialogue that doesn't matter. Right. Yeah, it's it's a little drawn out.
1: I think I probably would have had this sequence have, uh, like, a little bit more dialogue about, oh, Captain America, He's he was such a legend.
0: Yeah, yeah. So
1: then it's like, when we see this wimpy boy, it's like, oh, this is Captain America?
0: Yeah, I could see them going that way with it, for sure. Um, I feel like they are, l- l- like, relying on the idea that, if you're what if you've come to this movie, you're already a huge Captain America fan and you're already thinking about him that way. But you're right; they could have established that a little bit more in fiction, because like Captain America is a big name in comic books, but to like a mainstream audience, he's not like who's Captain America,
1: you know? Like he's he's. I would say he was a character that people could recognize, but not really know anything about.
0: Yeah, yeah, like, I didn't know that much about him other than, like... I get a lot of comic book information through osmosis, because I yeah. know... I have a lot of friends that are into comic books. So, it was like, I, I think around the time this movie came out, wasn't, like, Bucky currently Captain America, because Steve was dead? That,
1: that might have been the case. I
0: remember seeing a comic book cover that I thought was really cool and evocative, and it was just... The Captain America shield, but it was broken in half. I was like, oh, well, I remember shit.
1: there were news stories when Captain America died. That's
0: true, there was.
1: So, yeah, then the movie goes into its second intro, which is also kind of a bit long, I think. There's
0: a lot of intros in these movies.
1: Yeah, it goes to Tonsburg, Norway, which is the same town at the beginning of Thor.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Sure, that makes sense. Yeah, that's,
1: that's a cute little hook. I think this movie is actually the best one in the series to be like subtly connected to the rest of the universe without just, like, having characters show up.
0: Yeah, I could see... I could see that, for sure.
1: Yeah, there's good hooks to to Iron Man, to Hulk, to Thor.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, this young man has run into this large tower and is talking to this older gentleman, which the transcript you provided me has told me this man's name is Tower Keeper, which is very funny to me. That's his name. He's the Tower Keeper. Um... This is immediately, like, they've got, like, I don't know if it's a color filter on the film. I don't think it is. They just have a lot of brown costumes and brown scenery to make it feel like the old times.
1: Yeah, this is supposed to be, like, a place that has never seen the modern age. Right. And here the Nazis come with their big technology.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, uh, yeah, a bunch of... But, like, it's not even Nazi technology. It is, like, a like 25-foot-tall tank. Like, it is already clearly... Weird mecha shit. Yes. And then a, like, comically huge fancy car pulls up, and the hood ornament is the Hydra logo.
1: You know what they say about big cars. Yeah,
0: that's, yeah, huh? You can see a lot of people in them.
1: If you have a big car, it means you have a big dick.
0: Oh, okay. (laughs) Uh, A bunch of Nazi soldiers run into this tower after bulldozing the front door, and uh, there's, like, four or five guys trying to lift the... ...lid off of this crypt. But then their boss comes in.
1: J- Johann Schmidt. Johann
0: Schmidt. And uh, he's got some, you know, Nazi bad guy dialogue about, you know, it's taken me a long time to find this place. I'm, I'm the bad guy. I'm, I'm me, I'm the bad guy. Um, He walks over to the crypt and just effortlessly shoves the lid off, which is kind of the only hint we're gonna get for a while that he has superpowers.
1: Yeah, like, you... There are a couple moments like this and him punching the shield yeah. that remind you he's a super soldier, but he never really gets to show that off.
0: No, not really. He's, he's not a very physical villain, which I'm fine with. I've complained before they've turned sort of scheming bad guys into just punch boys before, so I'm okay with that. But they do talk a lot about how much superpowers he has.
1: Yeah, he does have superpowers. Yeah.
0: Uh, so he shoves the lid off of this crypt, and there is a... Viking skeleton clutching a glass cube in its hands. The same cube we saw from the end of Thor. Or is it?
1: Yeah, it seems a bit pale.
0: Yeah. And he starts talking about how the Tesseract is a jewel of immense power. You wouldn't simply bury it and he just...
1: You no, know, he specifically says it was the jewel of Odin's treasure room.
0: Right, yes. So he...
1: Another fun little Thor reference. Yeah, yeah. He has... Because, like, this dialogue all works... ...without the context of Thor... Right. ...but, like, having this be set in the same universe... ...just gives it a little extra something-something.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, I would agree. They do a decent job with the, the handshaking stuff here. Uh, but yeah, he smashes this fake Tesseract... ...and, uh, he starts threatening the Tower Keeper... <laughs> ...and I'm still laughing that his official name is the Tower Keeper. Uh, the Tower Keeper is not willing to help him... ...but then he starts threatening the village... ...and I'm not? Okay... The Tower Keeper does a little head nod here. Is it supposed to be that he capitulates once the villagers get threatened and nods towards the wall? Or is it just he does a weird head nod and then Red Skull turns around?
1: I think it's supposed to be that he capitulates. Okay,
0: it is not as clear as it maybe could be. Uh, But uh, yeah, Schmidt walks over to a uh, relief in the wall of Yggdrasil. And starts just kind of monologuing about its mythological significance. And then he looks down towards the sculpture of Nidhogg wrapped around one of its roots, and his eye's a button. And, uh, yeah, Schmidt opens up the, like, pushes the button, and a drawer pops out that's got the real Tesseract in it. And the bad guy. It's got you, a beautiful
1: blue light. It's, yeah. It's, that engulfs him.
0: Yeah. It, it shines right on his face. Um,. And, uh, yeah, he he says some more shit to this guy. They're gonna kill all the villagers anyway, because he's bad. He's a bad guy?
1: You cannot control the power you hold. Yeah. You will burn. Yeah. And then he goes... I already have. Already have. That's my German accent?
0: Yeah, great. Good job. Yeah, and there's, there's a moment where he kind of, like, feels his face, and at this point, I assumed the idea was that it was, like, the Ark of the Covenant in Raiders of the Lost Ark, and, like, by shining the light right on his face like that, it was turning his face into the Red Skull face, but he's already the Red Skull under there, right?
1: Yeah, he's already the Red Skull. The Super Soldier Serum did that.
0: Right, yeah, but he just kind of feels his face a little bit as he's walking out, and uh, then we cut to a military recruitment doctor's office place. Yeah. Back in the old U.S. of A.
1: Steve Rogers is trying to enlist, but he's very skinny, and he has the asthma and other diseases that... Make him unfit to service. Right.
0: We should probably talk a little bit about how Steve Rogers uh, is Chris Evans' head, like, CGI'd onto a scrawny man.
1: I think this effect is very well done. It's
0: it's very well done. Like, it's pretty seamless. I don't really... It it, it looks like a real person, but also, like, his head looks too big for that body. But, like... I mean, that's... But, like, in a way that I That's I'm how skinny that.
1: bodies work, though. Yeah,
0: no, no, no. Like, I don't think it's um unrealistic, per se. It's just... It is always very, like, whoa, what, uh, okay.
1: That kid needs a sandwich.
0: That's what they'll tell him. (laughs) Uh. (laughs) But, yeah, so he has a whole host of shit on his, uh, like, paperwork that says he's really not fit to be a soldier. Um, yeah, he's got asthma, high blood pressure, heart palpitations. His, I think the paper says that his siblings have diabetes, his mother was a nurse at a tuberculosis ward, so he's been exposed to TB. <laughs> like, if there's a if there's a medical problem you can have, Steve Rogers has it.
1: Yeah, like, it's it's a pretty easy no. Yeah.
0: And uh, he is, like, begging this doctor to give him a chance. And the doctor's like, I am. I'm, I'm saving your life, as he stamps 4F on his recruitment forms. Uh, And then it cuts to Steve at a movie where they're playing a little short in front about, like... It's a propaganda film, right? uh, To get you to enlist in the army and yeah, buy war bonds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, And some guy in front of Steve is yelling to just start the movie already. Which, yeah, (laughs) I'm with him. Start the damn movie. Really? A little bit.
1: Don't I mean? You gotta tell little Timmy to collect scrap metal.
0: Yeah, yeah. I don't know. This is. Modern movies about World War II are always really weird, because... Oh, yeah? Well, I I think so, don't you? Because, like, World War Two is the one where it's like, well, I mean, Nazis were definitely very, very bad. So, if we just tell war stories about that one, like, we can avoid any of the, like, complex discussions that usually go along with, like, war stories. It's just, yay, we get to be heroes. And I don't know, it feels...
1: Right. It, it's. No, you're right, yeah, you're right.
0: It's, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Especially in this one, which we'll get to as we go.
1: I might say the second one is the worst about it because it tries to portray it like, oh, back then everything was so simple and black and white, and now it's complicated.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, But Steve yells at this guy to shut up and respectfully watch this propaganda film. So this man stands (laughs) up... To get on with the cartoon. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Like,
1: they're just watching a cartoon.
0: (laughs) Right, so uh, this man stands up, and uh, he's like, I don't know how tall he is, but it's much taller than Steve Rogers. Right. Uh, so he drags him out into the alley behind the movie theater and just starts beating the shit out of him.
1: Yeah, He Steve Rogers tries to get a punch in on him, but he just grabs his fist and throws him into a trash can. Right. And, and Steve says, I could do this all day.
0: Right, yeah, and we, we get the initial, you know, it, it's a good scene for establishing Steve Rogers' character. He is very patriotic. And he is very persistent, even against, you know, insurmountable odds.
1: Yeah, even in the previous scene, there was a guy in the center with him like, oh boy, a lot of people dying over there. Kind of makes you think twice about signing up. And Steve is just like, nope.
0: Yeah. Uh, Yeah, so Steve, yeah, picks up the the
1: trash can lid as a shield. (laughs) Right.
0: (laughs) He's going to have a lot of fake shields in this movie. Uh I guess just the two. But yeah, they really want to establish, this is a guy what likes shields. Yeah, shields
1: protect people.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I mean,
1: he does also have a gun.
0: That's true, that's true. Um, But no, I I just like the idea that something about Steve Rogers is just, he is psychologically drawn to the idea of holding a shield, even before he gets the Captain America shield. Yes. Yeah, uh, his friend Bucky Barnes, uh, in his full officer uniform, shows up and uh, slugs this dude and chases him off.
1: He, he literally kicks him in the ass. Yes, he
0: does. <laughs>
1: yeah, so Bucky has signed up. He's in the 107th, right. which is the same division that Steve mentioned his father died in.
0: Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, yeah, we hear that Steve's dad died of mustard gas in World War One. Yeah. Um. But, yeah, Bucky sees that, like, Steve had dropped some paperwork uh, from his attempt to enlist, and Bucky kind of reprimands him for... We, we find out now he has attempted to enlist multiple times under assumed, like, like... He forges the paperwork so he doesn't just get immediately flagged every time. Right. And Bucky warns him that that's, like, a crime, and he probably should stop doing it. Uh, But, you know, Steve is more just, like, upset that now even Bucky gets to go be in the war.
1: Yeah, but to cheer him up, he takes him on a, on a double date to the World's Fair yeah. in Queens.
0: Yeah, yeah. This is
1: the very same place as Iron Man 2?
0: Yeah, I was going to say, that's again, nice little handshake. It's clearly the, the past version of the, the thing in Iron Man 2. Yeah.
1: Um, Tony Stark is there. He's uh, exhibiting a flying car well, no, as mean, well as the... You mean Ned Stark. Yes, I mean Howard Stark. <laughs> He's exhibiting a flying car as well as the Human Torch, Jim Hammond.
0: Oh, was that a little, like, in one of the posters or something that's good
1: no there's there's a model of like a guy in a red suit and that's a reference to the human torch jim hammond oh i see who canonically killed hitler
0: oh oh okay wasn't aware of that uh-huh uh but yeah howard stark is we see he's pretty much just tony stark but in the past yeah Uh
1: and bucky's bucky's like hey, hey steve lighten up you're about to be the last single man in new york right Uh, they meet up before... But Steve's not interested in girls, he just wants to be in the army. He just
0: wants to be in the army. Um, they meet up with the two girls, and, uh, it almost immediately seems like Bucky's just dating, on a date with two women at the same time, and Steve's just following behind. I mean, basically. Right, like, yeah, I like it, it's it's a good, like, okay, yeah, I get it. There's a bit while they're watching the Stark... Uh, like, stage show, where Steve, standing behind all three of them, kind of shoves his arm awkwardly in between them to offer one of the girls some popcorn.
1: <laughs> God. It's
0: like, it, it, like, the camera hangs on it for way too long. It's very good.
1: <laughs> what a good movie.
0: It's, yeah, so far, yeah. I like, I like it so far. Except, I don't know. Again, because it's a World War II movie, it does feel weirdly... They're getting away with being extremely... Pro America in a way that's like a little, little like, eh. And I, at some, it's just, at some point, like, it's a Captain America origin story. Like, how else are you gonna do that? But I don't know. There's moments in this movie that almost feel like Starship Troopers to me. Yeah. Yeah. Or just like, oh, I'm just a, a kid who wants to grow up and be a soldier someday. And the thing with Starship Troopers is that you see all the horrors of war that go along with that, and the whole point is that it's like a fake propaganda movie criticizing it, and that's. That's not what this movie is you know I don't know right um, but uh, there's a th- and there's a recruitment thing at the World's Fair and uh, if you haven't gotten what they're going for yet there's a goofy little display where you stand up on a platform and it's just a mirror with a uh, like soldier cutout in it so it's like oh it's your face in an army uniform but Steve stands on it and he's too short to reach the the face hole.
1: He's not strong like an army
0: man. No, not at all. Uh, Bucky finds him here and kind of scolds him for ditching their dates to come here again. And they get in a little fight where Bucky is trying to tell Steve that, like, there's other ways you can contribute to the war effort other than, you know, being a soldier on the front lines. Um, and an uh, older gentleman happens to walk by and hear this argument.
1: And Steve says, they're men laying down their lives. Yeah. I got no right to do any less than them. Yes. And the older gentleman is very impressed.
0: Yeah. He's he's kind of immediately interested in this tiny, weird little shrimp man.
1: And then Bucky says his line, like you mentioned. Right. Because you got nothing to prove.
0: Yeah. So, again, like Bucky is Steve's closest friend. I think it would be a good turn for this movie if Bucky is displaying some insight into Steve's character in this moment and like actually this isn't purely a noble thing that Steve is a physically weak person who's been picked on his whole life and has a little bit of a chip on his shoulder and is like he, he absolutely does believe in the things he says he does but also he wants to kind of show people up and show that he's not just a worthless crappy man right I, I think that would be a good thing to weave into the character that they don't really yeah um but uh yeah this this older man who we're gonna learn is dr erskine uh listens to all of this and watches as Steve walks past him into the recruitment office. And, uh, Steve is, like, getting undressed for his physical, and all of a sudden a nurse comes in and calls the doctor away. And Steve gets worried that he's been caught for faking his, uh, forms and starts getting dressed to leave, but an MP comes in. But it's okay, because Dr. Erskine's here now. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Uh, Doctor Erskine is here now. Right. Yeah. I was kind
0: of. I was kind of leaving a pause there to sort of give a, a, a baton handoff for you to do the next stage of summary. But that's I mean, okay. you can just
1: continue describing the film. <laughs> 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 okay. No. Like er- er- Erskine says, you know, he says Steve Rogers, and he has a German accent. Right. Yeah. So then Steve Rogers asks, like, where are you from? I don't trust the Germans. Right. I don't. Uh, yeah. And Erskine says, you know, I'm from Queens, but yeah, I'm originally from Germany. And then Ericson's like, "You're from a lot of places. Sometimes it's Ohio. Sometimes it's New Haven. Sometimes it's Paramus. Seems like you've been falsifying your enlistment forms."
0: So he asked him straight up, "You want to go overseas and kill Nazis?" And Steve says, "Not, not really. I don't. I don't want to kill anybody, but they're bullies, and I don't like bullies." Yeah.
1: He he doesn't he does not take pleasure. From doing a murder, but he knows that a murder must be done.
0: Right, uh, Doctor Erskine says a very good line here, which is, "Well, the army's already got lots and lots of big guys. Maybe they need a little guy for once."
1: And he offers Steve a chance—only a chance.
0: And he, yeah, marks his forms one A. He's he's in the army now.
1: We cut to the Red Skull's secret research base hidden in the mountains. Yes. And there's a shot of Arnim Zola, his face zoomed in through a big magnifying glass, which is a reference to his comics appearance, where he's a big face on a robot.
0: Okay, yeah. So I knew he shows up like that in Winter Soldier, and I assumed because of this shot that that must be what he's like in the comics. Right. I don't know anything about uh, Dr. Zola.
1: So yeah, they're trying to... They're, he's working on a machine that can transfer the nearly unlimited energy of the Tesseract to power all his fancy designs and weapons. Yeah.
0: This is not really, like, a critique of the movie as much as, like, a personal like, oh, it would have been cool if they did this. We're. It doesn't come up in this movie, but eventually we're gonna learn that the Tesseract is the Space Stone. Uh, right. One of the Infinity Stones. It doesn't have any other than like the very last thing it does in this movie it doesn't do any like spacey stuff you know
1: luke i have a theory what's that you know how when they shoot the tesseract guns the targets
0: just kind of disintegrate yeah i I thought about that that it's actually like teleporting them through a wormhole or something like that yeah i I like that idea just fine i just that's not like obvious watching this movie i i don't know i wish that their technology did some cool weird space stuff or just make it the power gem instead you know if it's well, no if it's just gonna be a battery
1: well like well okay the whole thing is like just because you have an infinity stone doesn't mean you know how to properly channel sure it's magics which is why the vision can't just do everything with the mind stone because he doesn't know how
0: no i understand that but i mean he I I don't know. It seems like the fun of the Infinity Gems or Stones to me is that they do have those, like, they just have total command over whatever element they're, you know, based on. And even if, like, I I don't know, It, it would be cooler to me if they did weird, if they had weird, like, space manipulation weapons in this movie. I think that would just look cooler. I don't know.
1: Like, if they imploded space yeah, to, like, crush a man's head? Or if
0: it was, like, they have teleportation technology and, like, oh, how they get into this base or some shit like that, you know? Okay, that would have been cool. Yeah.
1: But, yeah, Arnim, Zola does the energy transfer good.
0: Right. They can basically just siphon glowy blue light out of this thing into weird batteries he's made.
1: There's a good scene where Zola says, this will change the war. Yeah. And the Red Skull says, no. This will change the world. Yes.
0: There's a bit when he's got everything, like, hooked up and is turning the machine on. He's very gradually increasing the power. And he's like, alright, the power's stabilized, it's 70%. And, uh, (laughs) Schmidt goes, I didn't come all this way for safety, Doctor, and just cranks it to 100.
1: I'm a big fan of Hugo Weaving's portrayal of John
0: Smith. Oh yeah, I I think he's good in this movie. (laughs) But I just love, like, I... I work at a place that has a lot of those kind of power meters and shit. If something got to 80%, I would be calling my boss very alarmed, you know? Like, that's not how this kind of thing works.
1: Well, that's how the Tesseract works.
0: Apparently. (laughs) Uh.
1: So, the soldiers are all lined up at the soldier camp. And Steve is there, too, but he's a lot shorter than the other guys. Right. And Agent uh, Margaret Carter comes out to meet them mm. and one of the guys is like you know you're a girl I don't want to follow your orders." so she punches him
0: well now hold on you you did not you're incorrect because what he says is hey I'm I'm a New York guy hey uh, you're, you're a lady from England what's up with that hey um I got the most New York accent it's it's incredible <laughs> <laughs> but then she does just punch him in the face which I like
1: he, he like she like orders him to put his right foot forward so he'll fall in a in a better way. Yes. But <laughs> then comes my favorite character in this film. He's very good. Colonel Tommy Lee Jones. Yes. <laughs> who should have been in the second and third movies as his grandson.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It should have just been, like, we get an establishing shot of an office, you see, like, an, a very classy photo of this character, and then the camera pans right to show another photo that looks identical because it's his son, and then it pans into view of Tommy Lee Jones sitting at the desk. Oh, that
1: would have been perfect.
0: <laughs> it's just every son in this family looks exactly like Tommy Lee Jones. <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. His delivery of every line in this movie is perfect. He
0: is—he's kind of just a one-liner machine, but it's okay because they're generally pretty good one-liners.
1: Get your ass up out of that dirt and stand that line of attention till somebody comes tells you what to do. Yeah, uh,
0: and he's like walking up and down this line, giving a speech about how uh, they're gonna win this war because they have the best men. And then he kind of sees Steve Rogers for the first time. He's like, uh, and our men are gonna get even better. <laughs> um. We've gotten a few lines here and there that this is not just, like, the normal army. This is the Strategic Science Reserve. Um, Yes. That they are, uh... We're gonna learn over the course of these next few scenes that they are testing these men to choose a candidate for a super soldier project.
1: No, yeah, Tom Lee Jones just says that straight up in his first speech.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, like... You know, one of you is going to be chosen to be a new breed of super soldier that's going to personally escort Adolf Hitler into the gates of hell. Yes. This is pretty good. Uh, We get a little training montage because it's a World War II movie, so you have to have that. It's a very montage-heavy movie. A lot of people don't like that, but I do, because a lot of
1: these movies take place over, like, a week, and this one actually has time to take place over, like, two years. I
0: I don't know how I come down on it because... I, I agree with you. It's cool that it takes place over a longer span of time, and you get to see a lot of different stuff. But also, there are times when it feels like someone took a season of a TV show and just cut it down to two hours. And that I'm not wild about. Uh, but Well, I like it. Yeah, okay. That's fair. It's, it's, okay. it's a taste Ooh. thing. Uh, we get a scene where everyone is, like, jogging, and they come to a flagpole. Steve Rogers is significantly trailing behind everyone else. But the Yeah,
1: Steve Rogers has been struggling through all the physical tasks yeah, in the yeah. montage.
0: The, the, the punchline of every scene is that Steve Rogers is bad at everything. Um, but they get to this flagpole, and the drill sergeant tells them that they are only halfway through the run. Anyone that can bring him the flagpole gets to ride back to camp in a jeep with Agent Carter. So all these dumb meathead, knucklehead army boys start scrambling to climb the flagpole... Uh, the one that, uh, smart-mouthed to Agent Carter gets a little bit ways up the pole, but, uh, still can't reach it. Um, his name is, like, Hodges, I think. Is he, is he a comics guy? Because they put a decent amount of emphasis on him in this movie. Probably. I
1: bet he's a minor comics character. Yeah.
0: Um, yeah, Gilmore, uh, Earth 616, Gilmore Hodge. Yeah, he totally is. Anyway, um, no one can climb up this flagpole, because climbing a flagpole is very hard. But then Steve Rogers comes up. And he just, like, unscrews the thing holding the flagpole to its base, and it falls over. And he just brings the drill sergeant to the flagpole and j- humps it, hops in the jeep.
1: It shows that even though Steve Rogers isn't the strongest of soldiers, he is pretty smart. We're, he can think outside of the box. right, they
0: establish he does have... I, this is actually probably a pretty important scene, because it establishes that everything he's good at is not just the super soldier serum. Right. Like, he is more than just a good-hearted shit person. Yeah. Um... But uh, we get a conversation between Erskine and um, Tommy Lee Jones about how... Or no, we don't. I think we cut back to Red Skull first, right? No. No, we're still in the camp. Oh, we are. Okay. Uh, Yeah.
1: Yeah, so the soldier's doing push-ups. Yeah. Steve Rogers is struggling. And Phillips is like, you're not seriously going to pick Rogers, are you? Right. And Erskine says... Yeah, he's the clear choice Yeah, he's
0: like, not, not only am I considering him He's like, no one else is even, like, close I don't have a number two
1: Because he's looking for qualities beyond the physical Because the super soldier serum will take care of the muscles
0: Yeah, I'm actually, like, does Tommy Lee Jones not get what the super soldier serum does? Like, you don't need a strong man You're, you're gonna make that part Um, But uh, Tommy Lee Jones is not convinced Because uh, he's like, listen, it doesn't matter if he's a good person Winning a war takes guts and he grabs a grenade out of a supply box and pulls the pin and throws it into the group of them all exercising. And everybody scatters, but Steve Rogers dives on top of it.
1: Steve Rogers has got the guts and he's willing to sacrifice himself for the squad. Yeah,
0: and uh, the grenades dud, but it's immediately clear that Steve Rogers is a, a cut above everybody else. He's still skinny. Yeah. Tony Jones is, is like, mad that he's wrong, even though he has to admit that he is. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah.
1: So Steve Rogers is in his bunk, and, I, and he's reading a book or something. Right. And Abraham Erickson comes in to talk to him.
0: Yeah. I was going to say, Erskine is very much, I, I'm blanking on his name, the, the scientist, the, the, the doctor from Iron Man.
1: Stanley Tucci. <laughs> The... What's his name? Oh, God. Ho Yinsen.
0: Yeah, he... Erskine is almost a straight-up, like, duplicate of Yinsen as far as characters go. I mean,
1: basically, yes.
0: Although, I think he works a little better in this movie, because they... He doesn't have, like, a very well-fleshed-out character arc or anything, but... I don't know, it it, it works better for me, because they do give him, like, motivation for why he is so intent on making Steve Rogers into a superhero. Yeah. Uh, whereas Jensen, it felt, I don't know, it felt more just plot convenience. Um, but he tells, he brings in a bottle uh, of alcohol with him, and he tells Steve about how he used to live in Germany, and what people often forget is that the first country the Nazis invaded was their own. Okay. Yeah. Well, do, you have a, do you have a comment on that line?
1: I mean, you know, uh-huh. that's one way to interpret history. <laughs> That's, it's a way to read history.
0: Okay, okay, what's, I mean, what, what, I mean, let's get into it. What's, what's your beef with it?
1: I mean, I don't actually want to get into it. (laughs) Okay. I just want to make a snarky comment and not have to interrogate my opinions at all. (laughs) (laughs) Sure. So that way I can have the veneer of being very intelligent Mm -hmm. without actually having the stuff to back it up. I
0: see, I see. It's a it, you know what? That's a good strategy, and it's gotten you very far in life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he he explains that he made he gave the serum before to Schmidt because he forced him to right. Yeah. And it amplified everything on the inside.
0: Yeah. He says it makes the good great, but it makes the bad worse.
1: And since Schmidt is very evil inside, it means that he became evil on the outside as well. Yes.
0: We get this, we- like, there's a lot of um, kind of, like, all-, all these shots in this flashback are very kind of abstract. But there's yes. one in particular that is just a bunch of Schmidts superimposed on top of each other. Yes. I'm not sure why. <laughs> um, but we also learn that uh, Schmidt and Hitler share an interest in the occult. And Hitler pretty much uses it as a form of, like, propaganda, but Schmidt really believes it, and he is searching for ancient artifacts of the world of the gods, um...
1: Waiting to be seized by a superior man.
0: Right, and he believes that the super serum makes him a superior man. Um, yeah.
1: Yeah, and this is why he chose Steve. Right. Because a strong man has no respect for his power. Right. The weak man knows the value of strength, and he knows compassion.
0: Yes, which, that's, that was a lot easier to believe in 2011. Uh Uh-huh. I feel like these days, we've seen a lot of, like, turns out that people that get, like, bullied a lot usually just turn into even worse bullies that make you kinda not care that they were victims at some point.
1: Hmm, weird how that works. Yeah,
0: weird how that works. But you know, uh,
1: this movie is very much a 2011 film.
0: In a lot of ways, yes. But yeah, it's um that that line sounds very good in the context of this movie and rings very hollow watching it now. Um, but uh, Steve is like, oh well, thanks for thanks for calling me weak, I guess. Uh, they go to like uh you know toast to the uh, the super serum project that's happening tomorrow. But then <laughs> Erskine has my favorite moment of his in this movie, where he remembers that Steve can't drink anything before the uh you know experiment. So he takes the glass back, and Steve's like, "Oh, okay. Well, I guess we'll toast afterwards." He's like, "What? No, I I don't got anything to do tomorrow." And he just pours Steve's glass into his and drinks both. It's very <laughs> such good. a good joke. It's a really good joke, and the the, the uh, Stanley <laughs> Tucci sells it very well. Drink it after. Drink it now. <laughs> <laughs>
1: So now it cuts to the Red Skull. Yes. And he's obscured in shadow with his mask off, but you can't really see him. Well, he's not but when he used... first
0: walks in, but or when Zola first walks in, but then he, like, flips a light switch, so the lights are off, and he's just lit by this window, so he's just in silhouette.
1: Yeah, but you can see that the painter's using an awful lot of red paint.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh-huh. And,
1: uh... Yeah, and, and they talk about how they found Urxain. Right. So, you know, we need to go kill him. Yeah. Uh, and before Zola leaves, Schmidt asks how he thinks about the painting, and the painter takes a very deep inhale and closes his eyes, (laughs) and Zola says, a masterpiece, Uh. and the painter
0: exhales. (laughs) Uh, I I love this painter. (laughs) Like, where'd they get this painter? (laughs) He's just a, a very good German painter. I guess. She's like, oh, you want me to paint? Oh, you got a... Oh, you sure you don't want to... What if we kept the mask on for the painting? No? Okay, no, it's your painting. That's fine. Ugh. But, uh, we cut back to America where some kids are playing stickball in the street and, uh, Steve is riding in a car with Peggy, uh, and he's like... And he's
1: telling her about all the places he got beat up in.
0: <laughs> yeah, he's like, oh, yeah, I know that, Allie. Some guy beat me up there. Oh, It's I, a cool conversation. Yeah. Um, and, uh, she asks him why he doesn't ever just run away from the people trying to beat him up. And uh, he says, if you start running, they will never let you stop. Um, if you just keep standing up, they'll eventually, you know, give up just because you're not worth it. Um, and she kind of talks about, you know, well, I'm a woman in the military. So, yeah, I understand what, like, being, you know, thought of as lesser it feels like I don't know,
1: and Steve Rogers trips over his words. It's like I just don't see why you'd want to join the army if you're a beautiful dame, yeah, or a, a woman, a age, uh, a da- uh, you're beautiful, but it's uh,
0: yeah. And uh, she tells him that, you know, oh, you've never talked to a woman. And He says, like, this is the longest conversation I've had with one because, Steve, girls are Steve,
1: Steve, Bucky set up a date for you and you just barely paid attention to her. <laughs> to
0: be fair, I feel like she didn't even acknowledge him when they walked up. <laughs> okay. He tried to offer her popcorn. Yeah, I guess he did. And she gave him the most withering stare. <laughs> 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 As though he had offered her a dead rat. <laughs> uh but uh he talks about how he's never danced with a girl cuz women aren't exactly lining up to dance with a guy they might step on and Oh Steve, if only you had the internet, you would have been fine, buddy.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, there are many people who are very into skinny Steve.
0: Uh, oh yeah, I'll bet. Uh but yeah, he says that yeah, he's he's always been scared about talking to gaga gugga girls, and he decided he should just wait. And she goes, for what? And he says, the right partner. And I, I like that they have this scene where you get you get the sense Peggy at least likes him at this point, and it's not just She's into him because he's about to get extremely hot, you know. Yeah, no.
1: Pe- Peggy seems seems amicable
0: towards him. Yeah, like she gives him a few little smiles, like you know, maybe not romantic interest, but at least she likes him, so that it's, yeah. it's not just well, you have pecs now, so let's let's bone. I mean, you yeah. know. Listen, they're very good pecs. Everyone knows. <laughs> uh, but they walk into an antique shop, and there's an old lady in here who I love, and I wish she got more screen time yeah uh she comes out and they have like a little password exchange like she says oh it's great weather and Peggy says ah but I always have an umbrella and that leads the old lady to push a button and open up the secret passageway you see that she has like a submachine gun under her table yes and uh down beneath this antique shop is a secret laboratory where uh, Steve is sort of ushered down to this ridiculous like bioshock looking chamber
1: yeah. And all the scientists look up at him and like, oh, that's the guy, huh?
0: Yeah. Uh, Tommy Lee Jones is up in like a little booth with a senator and, uh, Senator Brantz. Yeah, and...
1: Great-grandfather of Betty Brantz.
0: Oh, who's Betty Brants?
1: She's a, you know, she, she's a Spider-Man character. She's a reporter at the Daily Bugle.
0: Oh, okay, okay. Uh, and there's also some other guy here. The senator can't really remember his name. I don't know, he's probably not important, even though they keep cutting to him. Yeah, no. It's, it's probably fine. Um, uh, Erskine sort of escorts Steve over to the chamber. They lay him down on the bed inside of it. And uh, he kind of tries to, you know, cool his nerves a little bit. He jokes about how he kind of didn't save him any of the schnapps that they he had last night. Right. And uh, Howard Stark is here. He's working the, the ones and twos on this mad science experiment. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um they give Steve an injection uh, that he's like, oh, that's not so bad. And the doctor's like, well, that, that, was, that was nothing. He addresses the booth and he explains that they're going to give him a whole bunch of super serum to give him superpower cells. And then to stimulate muscle growth, they're going to blast him with Vita rays. Yeah, the
1: Vita radiation.
0: What are Vita rays, Crystal?
1: Uh, you know, there there is a specific wavelength of electromagnetic radiation uh, uh. that has stabilizing properties, uh, so it can uh, kind of stabilize it, why there more... the cellular mutation from the super soldier serum.
0: Why aren't there more movies with vita rays in them?
1: <laughs> well, they were created and used by Abraham Ers, Erskine, oh, okay. and only he knows how to make the Right? <laughs> it's
0: just such a... I love how doofy of a name that is. That feels so, like perfect for this being in the 40s. Yes. Um, uh, yeah. They start, like, lining up just a whole bunch of, like, syringes full of, uh, blue goo and, uh, they all sort of inject into Steve. He's not having a great time, but, you know, who who said being a superhero would be easy, Crystal?
1: When the Vita radiation gets to 70%, Steve starts screaming out in agony, and everyone's like, shut it off, get him out of there, but he's like, no, I can do it.
0: Yeah, Uh, so they turn the, the Vita radiation all the way up to 100%, Yes. and after a few moments, the chamber opens, and... Chris Evans' head found his body.
1: I I like how in the beginning, there's like a bunch of empty space around him because he's way too small for the chamber. Yeah. But then at the end, he's like being squished in there because he can't fit. Yeah,
0: Yeah. it's it's very good. Uh, everyone is kind of blown away that this scrawny kid that needed a sandwich is now a real buff hot dude.
1: Oh yeah, we skipped over the senator's good lines like, holy crap, give this kid a sandwich. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Um, and yeah, Howard Stark definitely feels up his abs real good.
0: Yeah. Uh and Peggy runs down and like <laughs> it's one of my favorite bits of acting in the entire movie where she is like walks down and is like trying to maintain her composure, but like can't help but reach out and just touches ab for or touches pecs for a split second and then pulls her hand yes. away. <laughs> it's really good.
1: The nurse between them also like looks at his pecs and kind of licks her lips a little. Yeah. He's just no. He's very he's very hot.
0: I love too that like when they're getting him ready for this machine, he does have to take his shirt off for this, but not his pants. So he just comes out as a shirtless dude. It's good. Um,
1: wait, did he have, did, was he wearing stretchy pants?
0: I you know he must have been, I guess.
1: Luke. <laughs> yeah. Does dick grow?
0: Hmm. That's the question, I guess. Right? Did yeah. did the vita radiation affect his dick?
1: I mean. I would I would think it would, probably, right? I mean I mean that makes sense. I'm, gu-
0: I'm gonna reveal my lack of anatomical knowledge. I don't think there's like muscles in there. You can't work out your dick to make it bigger, right? So But it did make him taller also, so it might have given a bigger dick. I don't know. That- Listeners, write in. Tell us. Do you think yeah. the chamber
1: if you're if you're Gary, specifically Doctor Gary, uh-huh. write us in. Tell us what the vital radiation would have done to his dick. Right.
0: Because well, here's the thing too. We never see scrawny Steve, you know, without any pants on. He might have already had a big dick.
1: Right. I'm, I'm not saying it was small before. I'm just saying it would be proportionally larger. Sure. Sure.
0: Yeah. It's uh, it's it's hard to say. Uh, you know, we'll 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 have to come back to that question, I suppose.
1: Everyone's celebrating because it worked. But then, then the mysterious kind of you know kind of suspicious guy he sets off a bomb. Yeah. And he shoots Abraham Erksing, and he steals a, a super soldier serum.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, he does. And he start Peggy like shoots at him and gets him in the arm, but he keeps running. Um, he comes up the elevator, and that old lady pulls out her gun, and he shoots her before he she can get any shots off, and she just ends up shooting at the ceiling. Man, I just wanted her to have a whole gunfight with this guy. Right. <laughs> right. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? I don't care about all the super soldier stuff. Just give me a movie about this old lady.
1: <laughs> yeah, so he gets in the car of his getaway driver. Mm-hmm. And he starts shooting the guys who are out trying to shoot him. Right. And then Peggy gets out. <laughs> and she makes a very good shot against the driver from like a million feet away. Yes,
0: she's just standing in the middle of the street while this car is bearing down on her, shooting at its occupants. And
1: uh No, no, no. There's a scene before when the car was driving away. Oh, okay. And she's just aiming her gun very carefully. And she hits the driver right. straight in the head. Yeah,
0: Peggy Carter's good shot. Yeah. Um, But yeah, she eventually does end up in this situation where, yeah, she is in the middle of the street with a gun pointed at him while he drives at her, and Steve just, like, dives and tackles her out of the way. And she gets mad at him for doing that, because she had him. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
1: honestly, she probably might have.
0: She very well might have. Um, I don't know if the car could have stopped in time, but, you know. Uh, During all the calamity, Dr. Erskine did get murdered, and there is he does get one last little nice scene with steve where he just he doesn't get any like lines but just do this dying breath he points at steve's heart because he's got to remember what's on the inside and uh yeah it's
1: promise me it's you, you will be a good man
0: it's exactly like Yinsen from iron man
1: <laughs> yes
0: like even the shot composition is similar
1: oh i forgot to mention there was a shot like right as the vi- radiation was turning on mm-hmm where it's kind of a close-up of Steve's face and his, like, eyes go wide. Oh, yeah. Which, the framing and the acting are both very similar to when the Incredible Hulk transforms. Oh,
0: you're right, it is. Which which makes sense, since we see that, like, the Hulk was kind of a weird, like, derivative of the Super Soldier Serum. Yeah. Um. So, l- let me ask you this real quick, though. We know now that the Super Soldier Serum magnifies everything inside of you. Yeah. Do you think the abomination... Do you think he got all bony like that because of the super soldier serum just that's what's in him or is it just yes. cuz it was or is it just cuz it's been sitting in a room for 50 years and it had an to a No no, no. they
1: they absolutely perfectly replicated the super soldier serum Okay. And oh I mean the transformation was probably guided by the fact that they used gamma rays instead of vither rays Sure. But he turned that way because that's what he really
0: was inside. Right. I guess that makes sense, because, yeah, that, that fits with, like, what the Red Skull became, you know? Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Steve starts running after this guy. He's, like, hopping from car to car. He's being a very cool guy. He's a superhero. Yeah. He's got the good muscles. Yes, he does. Um he chases this dude through the, the streets of, you know, 1940s New York. They end up sort of on the uh, docks or something.
1: Yeah, the car kind of flips over and rolls a million times, and the door goes flying off, and the guy gets out, and he tries to shoot at Steve, but he picks up the car door and uses it as a shield. Yeah.
0: One rule of Marvel movies is that um, no one ever gets killed by vehicle crashes. Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> Except for those soldiers in Iron Man 1. Yeah, I guess, well, they got blew up. That's true. But no, car crashes are completely non-lethal in the MCU. Like, they don't even really hurt you that bad. (laughs)
1: Even the one time someone did canonically die of a car crash, they retconned it. That's
0: true, it wasn't even a car crash. Yes. Maybe off screen You know If we really dug into Maybe there's some like Novelization that explains That Howard Stark invented Um Perfect like You know all, all, Every car is cushioned On the inside So perfectly That no one could get hurt In a car crash
1: Right no Like the car gets messed up But the people are fine yeah, They're yeah. lightly scratched So the guy kidnaps a kid Yes And he starts shooting at him Yeah And eventually, he tries to shoot at Steve. Right. But his gun's out of bullets. Right. Because, canonically, one of the effects of the super soldier serum Uh is that it enhances their luck.
0: Wait, what? Yeah. Sorry, what? I just
1: made that up. I just made that up. Okay,
0: okay. You had me very worried for a second there.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That is a power of the Millennium Puzzle.
0: That is a power of the Millennium Puzzle Mm. in Yu-Gi-Oh! That is Only if
1: you truly believe in it. Right.
0: Uh, If you truly believe in it and the power of friendship. Uh, (laughs) but uh yeah so the
1: guy just throws the kid into the water and then this movie
0: gets it to be probably it's most propaganda film where this kid's like i'm fine mister go get him
1: (laughs) but i love that like the kid can just swim he's fine right
0: yeah that is also good he's like no it's like it's
1: not a big deal dude in the movies there's lots of characters who can't swim is that like that common in real life
0: i don't know like i it It's hard for me to say because, like, I learned to swim at a very young age. I feel like even if you don't know how to swim, unless you're, like, all muscle and very dense, you do kind of just float. Like, if it's still water, it's not that dangerous.
1: Right, like, if you're just in relatively safe waters, I feel like it's not that hard to keep yourself afloat, yeah. but maybe I'm talking out of my ass.
0: Right, again, it's hard to know because swimming was such a an early thing for me, but it it just feels like the kind of motions you just instinctively make will do a pretty good job of keeping your head above water. You know, again, unless there's, like, you know, tides and waves and shit, that's a different story. Yeah. But, yeah, no one can ever swim in movies, you're right. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so the guy gets into a super submarine, and Steve dives in, and he grabs onto the submarine, and he punches out the window, even with the great water
0: pressure. But I was going to say, that must be some real strong glass to, you know, be in a submarine. Yeah. Um, also, I love the idea of this guy sitting in this little one. Pr- I, there's probably a bigger sub that he'd go, you know, attached to, but I like the idea <laughs> of him just taking this thing across the Atlantic Ocean. Sure. Uh, but yeah, Steve punches out the window. Uh... ...opens the canopy and drags this guy back up to the surface. No, he
1: throws him out of the water. Oh, that's true,
0: yes. We get, uh... That, that's probably the biggest, like, feat of strength he does. Like, obvious feat of strength, at least. Yeah. Obviously, I think you would need to throw that shield with a lot of force to do some of the shit he does. But this guy goes, like, ten feet in the air.
1: And that's, like, within without him having a ground to press against. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but they wrestle a bit. The vial of super soldier serum that he stole gets broken... And I guess it's impossible to, like, you know, have someone come scoop up a little bit or something. Uh, Probably evaporates real quick. I don't know. But he pins this guy down, and uh, he wants to know what his deal is. He's like, what's your deal? And this guy breaks one of his teeth because he had a cyanide cap inside. And he just says, I'm from Hydra. You cut off one head, two more grow back. Hail Hydra, I'm dead. And that's, that's this action scene.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's a good scene. Yeah, it's
0: pretty good. It's solid. Um, It cuts back to uh, Schmidt's hideout, where we hear that, like, Hitler has given him this extremely advanced research facility um, because he, uh, you know, as, like, a, you know, like, sorry you got so injured with the super soldiers thing. Here's, like, your reward for that. But you haven't given him any weapons in years, and he's getting a little crabby about it.
1: The Red Skull has been indulged long enough.
0: Yes. And, uh, yeah. Schmidt kind of scoffs and just says that the only reason he's out in this secret mountain lab is that he's got a weird red skull face now, which does not fit the Aryan ideal. Um, but they're like, no, dude, like, no. You just haven't made any fucking weapons and you're a weapon research guy. So he brings him in. Wait, does he actually have a line like that? Uh, yeah, he does. Well, It's while they're walking. Let's see. What's the exact line? Uh... Let's see. It is... Uh, they say, you you serve at his pleasure. He gave you this facility as a reward for your injuries. And he answers, oh, okay, reward. Yeah, Call okay. it what it is. Exile. I no longer reflect his image of Aryan perfection.
1: Yeah, so he shows them the weapons, and he gives a very good speech about I, 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 how... You know,
0: it's not surprising that, that you didn't notice that, because I do think it is... The one line in this entire movie that alludes to what Nazis were actually about at all. Right,
1: no, the we're fighting the Nazis because the Nazis are the other team. Right. We're not going to, like,
0: talk about why they're bad. No, no, they do not. And uh, th- this is, again, this is a very 2011 movie. Uh-huh. Um, in 2011, I think it was a little more okay to do this because everyone knew Nazis were bad. Right. It feels, in 2018... When I just read a news story before watching this movie about how there's more white supremacist candidates running for office this year than, like, ever before, uh, it, it feels a little, like, it's equivocating a bit. Like, it's like oh, don't worry, listen, we don't want to talk about Nazis. We just, we just want the fun action times.
1: But especially since, like, Captain America is the image of the Aryan ideal. Right. But th- that's not, like, a theme that's really explored.
0: Yeah, that's true, because, like, I'm probably going to get some of this wrong, but, um, if I remember right, part of the idea behind the conception of Captain America is that Stanley and, um, oh my god, I'm blanking on the art, Jack Kirby are Jewish, and they wanted to make something, like, a-, a character. It was that- actually
1: Jack Kirby and Joe Simon, oh, Joe Simon. Stanley okay. was not involved.
0: Okay, yeah, that they are Jewish, and they wanted to make a character that is, like, an Aryan ideal, but it's just comics about him beating the shit out of Hitler.
1: Yeah, like, those comics were published before the U.S. got into World War II. Yeah,
0: yeah, it, and that's part of, like, where every World War II movie feels very propagandistic now. People don't remember that, like, hey, we took a long time to get into World War II. We turned away Jewish refugees seeking asylum yes, from Nazi Germany. Yes, we sure did. Um, and uh, the Nazis took a lot of notes from um, American white supremacists when they were getting started. Uh-huh. Yeah? They, like, there are documents of Nazis praising Americans for their great ideas on eugenics. Mm-hmm. That, that part doesn't get uh, brought up too much. No? Because, we you know, we sided against them in the end, so that means we're the good guys, right?
1: That's right. Meowth.
0: <laughs>
1: Meowth, <laughs> <laughs> Meow, that's right.
0: And yeah, that, that element of Captain America is not reflected in this movie at all. No. Because this is not... This is going to very quickly stop being a movie about World War II and start being a G.I. Joe movie. (laughs) Yes. Um, But the Red Skull brings them into his, like, workshop where he's been working with uh, the Tesseract and is talking about how he has all of these incredible weapons. um, And they kind of tease him for, you know, oh, it's more of this magic shit. And he goes, it's science. But I... crystal i hate to tell you this movie does seem like that's that line seems a little bit like they're saying magic and science are the same thing
1: yeah but the thing is Johann schmidt is dumb idiot who doesn't know what he's talking about
0: (laughs) okay all right that's fair (laughs) Um, he
1: has harnessed the power of the gods yes and then one of the nazis looks at his map and says berlin is on this map
0: Right cuz he's talking about how with these weapons he can crush all of his enemies. And they're like, "Wait, what, what do you mean your enemies? It's you're you're like a Nazi? You're a Nazi. It's it's the it's Germany's enemies." But no, yeah, he's targeting Berlin and they get very alarmed and then he um disintegrates them with his Tesseract gun. Or maybe teleports yeah. them somewhere, I guess. Who knows. Yeah.
1: No. And he says to Zola that Hydra can no longer uh, grow under the Fuhrer's shadow. Yes. Luke, would you like to know the canonical origin of Hydra in the MCU? As portrayed in Marvel's Agents of Shield.
0: Uh, I guess so. I feel like this movie did a good enough job setting that out that they were just a weapons research arm of the Nazi party that got crazy. But go on.
1: Thousands of years okay, ago.
0: Okay, we're starting there, huh? Go on.
1: A rogue Cree faction created the inhumans on the prehistoric Earth. I'm sorry,
0: a rogue what faction? Cree. Like, like the Native Americans? No, Kree
1: as in the blue
0: aliens. Okay, I got real worried for a second, Tristel.
1: The ruling Kree hierarchy deeming the creation of Inhumans a mistake conceived the monolith as a means of wiping them out by transporting them across space to another planet. One day, an Inhuman was born so powerful that others banished him to the other planet. However, the Inhumans' followers believing him to be destined to rule the world, formed a secret society with the sole purpose to bring their leader back to Earth. Over the centuries, the society grew and evolved, taking many different shapes, being called by many different names. Eventually, the society came in possession of the monolith, and started sending men through the portal, hoping to save or at least serve their leader on the other side. But none of them ever came back. As its symbols changed, the society became known as Hydra, with its final and best-known symbol inspired by the Inhuman's true form.
0: This is all very stupid. (laughs) The origin of this movie is much better. And, okay, Uh this is something else that, you know, is going to come up more as we get deeper into the the middle of this movie, that everything you said kind of ties to... It is very hard... Again, I'm not a comics person, but I get a lot of comic stuff just through my friends that are. It is very hard to look at this movie without thinking of all the shitty stuff they've done with hydra in the comics recently oh yeah cuz like all the stuff where it's like they're trying to make it where the hydra where hydra isn't just the nazis they're just weird bad guys that happen to be affiliated with the nazis at one point it feels like, because then it's, you know, they can get away with, oh, well, Steve Rogers is a Hydra guy. Without saying Steve Captain America is a Nazi, you know? Like, it's just, it feels, we, we talked about it a little bit already, but it feels very cowardly to not just have them be super Nazis that have a very horrible world ideology that needs to be crushed, you know? When they just turn it into, well, the Red Skull is a crazy guy who wants to rule the world... Like I said, now it's just a G.I. Joe movie. It's not even a World War II movie.
1: Oh, I agree, and so the S.H.I.E.L.D. S.H.I.E.L.D. is very clear that, despite their origins, they are all Nazis, every last one of them, and don't let anybody tell you different.
0: Okay, I'm actually super glad the TV show has that line. Yeah. that's That was a very good move on their part, to have that line in that show. Um, But yeah, like, I don't know. We should talk about it more as it comes up in this movie. But right now... um. Everyone is mad about what happened in the lab. Um, Howard Stark is studying the escape submarine that they captured, and he's saying that this technology is, like, way beyond anything they have. And they realize that, you know, HYDRA needs to be dealt with. Um, Tommy Lee Jones knows a little about HYDRA. He says, like, they're basically a cult that worships Schmidt. And um, the scientific research whatever is changing into, like, a Hydra, an anti-Hydra task force, basically. Yeah. And, um, unfortunately, Steve Rogers is not coming with them to fight Hydra on the front lines. They're sending him off to a laboratory so they can try and reverse-engineer the super-soldier serum. Because I guess Erskine didn't, like, keep notes?
1: I mean, he probably, like, encoded them or whatever.
0: I guess. It, It seems like it wouldn't have been that hard to have a quick shot of the spy just, like, I don't know... Blowing up an office also on his way out, you know?
1: I mean, maybe the notes were in that office he blew up.
0: I, yeah, I, I that, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I feel like you needed just a quick insert shot of, like, you know, some books getting destroyed or something. just to-
1: Or maybe, like, you know, even with the notes, it's just so complicated sure. that only Tony Stark or Abraham Erksine could build it. Sure.
0: Um, but uh, they all just kind of leave Steve there to get shipped off to a lab. But the senator has a different idea because Steve's like fight with this Hydra agent has been all the news in the papers. And he thinks that Steve could be a symbol of America. And he asks him if he wants to fight the most important battle in the entire war. And Steve's like, yeah, more than anything. And it cuts to sometime later, uh, Steve is in the captain America costume and some guy in a suit's just like talking him through his nerves. He's like, oh, I don't think I can do this. Uh, and this guy tells him, like, no, listen, it's simple. You get them to buy bonds, bonds buy bullets, and bullets kill Nazis. So you're basically fighting, you know, the real war here. And he goes out onto a stage with a bunch of dancing chorus line girls. Luke, yeah.
1: I love this montage. This
0: montage is amazing. <laughs> like,
1: here's the thing. Steve's hood is intentionally, like, bad-looking and loose-fitting. Yeah. The body, it looks perfect.
0: Yes, that's true. <laughs> right, and we should say, like, the costume he's wearing now is, like, based on his original costume from the comic books. He's got, yes. like, the original, like, sort of kite shield shield, and uh, taped to the back of it, he's got all of his lines written down. Um, Because all these chorus girls are singing a song about Captain America, and every time they finish a verse, he jumps in with uh, a line of, like... Every bond you buy is another way to sock Hitler dead or something, you know?
1: Every bond you buy is a bullet in the barrel of your best guy's gun.
0: Yes. (laughs) And yeah, we, it just turns into this whole montage of him kissing babies and like making war movies. We're seeing like every time he does this stage show, he gets a little better at the lines until he's like pretty good at it.
1: Yeah, he's like giving a speech to the kids, and the Hitler actors sneaking up behind him. The kids are like,
0: "Oh no, 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 he's there!"
1: Yeah, and then he punches out the Hitler actor. Right,
0: and you're just getting it. Eventually, when he punches the Hitler actor, it just turns into um, a constant stream of him punching him over and over again in different cities. We get a shot during this montage where someone on the street of New York is selling Captain America number one. Yeah, which is great. Right. And, Crystal, uh-huh. this is the closest thing to teasing the She-Hulk the Marvel Cinematic Universe has done so far. Oh, yeah? <laughs> because She-Hulk is, you know, traditionally a very, like... She was almost like a proto-Deadpool where she would, like, you know, yell at the reader and shit, you know? Right. Um, but the way they've interpreted that in the modern context is that Marvel Comics exists in the world of Marvel. and But instead of just making comic books, their comic books are considered legally admissible evidence in the co- in a court of law. Right. They're the like official record of what happens in every superhero's adventure. And She-Hulk cites them often during court cases. So by having an actual Marvel comic book in the MCU, that implies Marvel comics exists in the MCU, which implies that She-Hulk may exist in the MCU.
1: Okay. Okay. You see where I'm
0: going with this? I'm seeing
1: where you're going with
0: this. Anyway, <laughs> uh, the montage ends with him um, doing a USO show for troops, and they are not having it in the slightest. They do not yeah, give no, a shit. They about just want to see shit. the girls. Yeah, they just want to see the girls. Um,
1: and they throw some tomatoes at Steven. He just walks off the stage because he's embarrassed. Right. And
0: this is the next plot point to me in a in a different better movie. Where this is, like, the next part of his arc is, like, having an inferiority complex. Because, oh, I'm, I'm a superhero now, but I'm still not respected by, you know, American men, which is what I actually want in life, you know? Right. Um, but that's also kind of the last point in that, like, emotional thread. It doesn't really go anywhere from here.
1: Steve draws a picture of himself as a dancing monkey? Yes. Which alludes to his his canonical going to art school to become a cartoonist. Oh, I
0: didn't know that was part of his uh, his story. That's nice. Yeah. Um. But Peggy Carter's here, as it turns out, and they have like a quick little like, oh hey, uh, how's it going? And uh, Carter is pretty like not thrilled about how Steve is using his gifts. And uh, right, you know, they they have this conversation about how Erskine wanted so much more for him than this, and he's like, yeah, well okay, it was this or go be a lab rat, so what do you want from me? And, uh...
1: Well, I mean, she basically eggs him on to go commit a treason.
0: Basically, yeah! Uh-huh. <laughs> because as soon as, like, we learned that these troops are especially down in the dumps because a whole bunch of their, um...
1: The 107th. Of
0: the 107th have been, uh, they had, like, an attack on a hydro facility, and... A lot of them got killed and a lot of them got captured. So these guys are not in very high spirits. And when Steve hears that it's the 107th, he realizes he's got to just run out and do something crazy. Um,
1: Because that's Bucky's platoon. Right.
0: So we go to talk to Tommy Lee Jones. (laughs) Tommy Lee Jones gets...
1: Wolf isn't Star Spangled Man with a plan. What is your plan today? (laughs)
0: Like, it's kind of a clunker of a one-liner, but Tommy Lee Jones says it with so much, like quiet confidence that it kind of (laughs) works
1: he's very good
0: actor (laughs) yes um but yeah he wants to know if if bucky was among the killed or captured and uh he's like yeah probably he's like yeah listen i've signed a lot of condolence letters today i don't remember every name but i think i remember that one so steve decides he's like you said at peggy's egging on He's gonna go commit a treason, just run out behind enemy lines, and... He's like, what, are you just gonna walk there? That's dumb. Lucky for you, I've got a plane I can use for this. What's Peggy doing at this point in the movie?
1: Uh, I don't know, she's just being Phillips's assistant, basically.
0: because it just kind of cuts to them <laughs> in Howard Stark's airplane.
1: Tommy Lee Jones has a good line like right as right before she leaves which is if you have something to say right now is the perfect time to keep it to yourself yes
0: that is a good bit yeah yeah, yeah. right because tommy lee jones also has a little bit of a fight with steve where he kind of harangues steve for not understanding anything about actually being a soldier and says like it's we're not sending a rescue mission after them because it's behind enemy lines and we'd end up losing more people than we'd save you're dumb go away, please. Yes. Uh, But yeah, they end up on Howard Stark's plane.
1: Um, Well, first we need to talk about Steve putting on the best costume he has ever worn in these movies. It's a
0: pretty good costume, yeah.
1: Which is the body of his USO suit with a brown leather jacket over it and uh, an iron helmet. Yes. And his kite shield. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It looks really good. It's a good look,
0: for sure. Um, But yeah, Peggy somehow gets them onto Howard Stark's plane. It's not... It's not clear how. Don't worry about it. It it happens.
1: They know each other because they fondue. Right. (laughs) There's a weird subplot in this movie where Steve thinks fondue means sex.
0: Well, okay. No, at this point in the movie, they have a line about how, like, oh, why don't we stop over and get a little bit of fondue? Because that's kind of how Howard Stark talks, and I like it. Right. Um, He talks like an old-fashioned radio announcer. But uh, Steve takes that to mean that they're together. And at this point... I thought, oh yeah, Steve thinks like stopping over uh, you know, for dinner together is a euphemism or you know, they're on it, they're gonna go on a date together. That's a reasonable assumption. It's maybe jumping a little bit of to conclusions, but <laughs> it's not a crazy thing to think. And he's like, Oh, do you do you two do you two fondue? <laughs> but what we're gonna learn no, later it, it- is that he doesn't know what fondue is. Right, why would he? <laughs> He's a poor kid from
1: Brooklyn. Right. He's not going to know what fondue but is. It's,
0: it's a very funny and very underplayed moment later where our circus will be like, no, no, fondue is like, you dipped bread and cheese, my guy. And he's like, oh, oh, shit, man. Oh, dang it. <laughs> it's very good. But um, they start getting shot at, and Steve dives out and tells them to turn around. And Peggy's like, you can't give me orders. And he says... Sure I can. I'm a captain. And yeah, he he dives out of the plane with his shield. This is like a lab where they're manufacturing... It's not a lab, it's a factory where they're manufacturing all the weapons that they've designed based on the Tesseract. And using all of the POWs they've captured as slave labor.
1: Yeah, Johann Schmidt is like, make the slaves work harder. And Zola's like, they can't because they'll die. Right. And Schmidt's like, well, do it.
0: Like... That seems like it's not an efficient way to do this, but sure, whatever.
1: But he's evil.
0: Yeah, I'm not going to tell you how to be a bad guy. <laughs> um,
1: yeah, so the Howland Commandos are all being imprisoned, but Steve sneaks into the camp and he does some metal gear stuff. Yeah. It's 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 and good. And eventually rescues them. Yeah,
0: I like all this. Yeah, he breaks them all out. Uh there's a good bit where he like dives into a truck uh and beats up some Hydra guys. Like it's it, it's good action. I like this part of the movie. Yeah. Uh, the movie still has me on board at this point, I think, for the most part.
1: There's a, a weird line that Dum Dum Dugan says to Jim Morita. Oh, Because yes. Jim Morita is, is an Asian man. Right.
0: So they're, Steve is breaking everyone out, and he sees that he's rescuing um, Jim. And he's like, oh, what, we're we're saving everybody? And uh, he has to show him his dog tag. He's like, man, I'm fucking from, oh, god
1: damn it. I'm from Fresno, Ace. Yeah. No, Dum Dum Dugan says that line. Steve wouldn't say that. He's a good boy. Oh,
0: yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's, uh, yeah, it's, you know what?
1: Like, especially since that's, like, one of Jim Morita's two lines in this Ooh, movie. that's true. <laughs> he, fun fact, uh-huh. the principal in Spider-Man Homecoming, played by the same actor.
0: Oh, huh, okay.
1: And he has a photo of Jim Morita, on a shelf, along with some World War II memorabilia. Oh, really?
0: So this is, like, the the grandfather of the, the principal from Spider-Man? Yeah. That's, that's alright. Um, you know, again, that's a line that's, like, I don't know. On one hand, I don't know if it needed to be in this movie. On the other hand, it's World War II, and we were very racist to Japanese people back then, so, like, I, it's a believable line, but I don't know. You know, yeah.
1: I guess so. Yeah.
0: Like, it's... I can believe that someone would say that in this situation at this time and place. I don't know if the line needed to be in this movie. Um, But uh, they all start breaking out and doing a bunch of Hogan's Heroes antics to these Hydra guys.
1: Yeah, none, none of the Howling Commandos are particularly well-developed characters. No, 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 no.
0: Uh, it was something where it was There's like...
1: There's a guy who who knows a little German, because he took three semesters of it at college. Right. But he switched to French, because the girls are much cuter. Right,
0: and then the other guy yells at him for giving back stories. Like, we're tertiary characters in this story, stop it! Uh, another guy's character is that he wears a pork pie hat.
1: Uh, one guy's French. <laughs>
0: There's a French guy, that's right, yes.
1: <laughs> uh, one guy's British.
0: Uh-huh, yeah. Yeah.
1: I think that's all it was Dumb Dumb like, Dugan has a hat.
0: Yeah. Watching this movie, at first I was like, oh, these are just, you know, the random POWs they're focusing in on. Then as it went, I'm like, oh, okay, these are clearly comic book characters that they're not really interested in, but they feel the need to pay some, you know, service to. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they blow up this HYDRA facility, they get everybody out, but Bucky's not with the other prisoners. He's in an isolation cell.
1: Yeah, it's like they're using doing some kind of experiments to him or something. Yeah. I wonder if this will come up later.
0: Yeah. Um, it won't.
1: Uh- <laughs> uh, it will in the, in the next no, film. I know. <laughs>
0: what are you talking about? Bucky dies in this one. No. No, he falls on that train. No one can survive a fall from that height. <laughs> they, he does. I don't. That's that's crazy. <laughs> um, Steve does see Zola running away, but decides, like, I don't know. That's a weird little man in... Uh, oversized coat. I don't care that much.
1: And he gets a quick look at a map of various Hydra bases. Yes.
0: Um, and uh, he finds the cell where Bucky's being held, and he kind of unstraps him from the table he's he's strapped down to. Bucky's muttering shit to himself. Um.
1: And about this point, the Johann Schmidt had set the base to self destruct, and right now everything's going off. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And uh, Steve kind of snaps Bucky out of it, and Bucky's like, "You're oh dang." You were my best friend, but now you're real hot. I wasn't right. ready for this.
1: No. <laughs> I w- I'm not ready have these feelings right now. There
0: is immediate romantic tension between them. <laughs>
1: yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, Steve and the Red Skull meet on, like, a bridge in the middle of the base. Yeah,
0: and uh, they have a little bit of a fight. Steve blocks a punch the Red Skull throws, but it leaves a, like, fist-shaped dent in the shield, which is pretty cool. And again, like, you know, we're an hour later, and they're reminding you again, the Red Skull is a superpower guy. Yeah. It has been about an hour since the last time he demonstrated that.
1: He gives a line which basically explains his motivation, which is, You are a deluded captain. You pretend to be a simple soldier. But in reality, you are just afraid to admit that we have left humanity behind. Yeah. Unlike you, I embrace it proudly, without fear.
0: Yeah, kind of the the vibe I got from him is that he is still like a Nazi and a racial supremacist, but he thinks that the super serum people are like the actual superior race, right? Right. Like he thinks him and Steve are the ones, and not you know white people. Uh, I mean,
1: yeah. yeah, probably also.
0: Oh sure, listen, yeah. I mean, yes. I'm not. I'm not saying and, that. Yeah, no.
1: And when Steve punches him, it kind of knocks his mask askew. Right. Yeah. So then he just rips his off and reveals his true face. Right.
0: That of the Red Skull. I. Mm, I don't like his nose hole. I don't like looking at it. I think. I think it looks good. I, I mean it's a well done. It's it's good makeup, like it looks good. It's a well realized thing. I just find it unpleasant to look at.
1: you think his nose hole gets itchy?
0: Oh god, I don't want to think about that.
1: <laughs> you think you think he sometimes gets like water stuck in his nose hole oh, when he's drinking? Man.
0: He definitely does. Or like when he's taking a shower. Oh man.
1: you think if you licked his nose hole, it'd feel good?
0: No, I don't. Mm, I don't like anything about this, Crystal.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. The Red Skull escapes using a ship, a rocket ship. Yeah. <laughs> and Arnim Zola takes the car. <laughs>
0: a line, like, it's clearly like a very small little rocket pod. He's like, but where will I sit? <laughs> and yeah, he just tosses him. Not a scratch, Doctor.
1: Not a scratch. Right, he gives him the key. As he gives him the keys to his car. His,
0: like, goofy, gigantic car. <laughs> yes. Every time they show this car, I crack <laughs> up at how comically big it is. It's a really big car. It is like a limousine that looks like a muscle car. Yes.
1: <laughs> so yeah, Bucky, like, like jumps over the bridge, but then part of it falls off, and Steve's like, Steve can't make it. Right. So Steve is like, Bucky, just go on without me. And Bucky says, no, not without you. Right.
0: And uh, yeah, so Steve just bends the bars of the guardrail so he can back up and get a running jump, and just le- he, like, leaps, and the explosion, like, engulfs him, and we cut away, and it's like... Oh, what happened? Did we kill Captain America off halfway through this movie? Who knows? But it just cuts to him leading all the soldiers back to the base.
1: Well, no, there's just some stuff before. There's a conversation between Peggy and Colonel Phillips. Right,
0: where, yeah, they're having to write in about how Captain America died in action behind enemy lines. And uh, And he
1: can't blame Stark because he's rich and he's the number one weapons contractor.
0: Yeah, so he can give all the responsibility (laughs) to Peggy.
1: Right, what makes you think I give a damn about your opinions?
0: I took a chance with you, Agent Carter. Now America's golden boy and a lot of other good men are dead because you had a crush.
1: It wasn't that. I had faith.
0: Uh, but yeah, and then as as they're sort of arguing about this, they see all the soldiers running somewhere, and it's because Captain America is leading back all of the troops that he saved. Yeah, Yeah. it's a good moment. Oh yeah, for sure. Um, they're like riding on a hydra tank. It's pretty good. Um...
1: The music is well, it's it's the high point of the film, one might say. Yeah,
0: I, I think that's a fair fair thing to say. Um,
1: and Steve immediately turns himself in for disciplinary action. Yes. but Colonel Phillips is like, "Yeah, no, come on, right?
0: I, that that won't be necessary." Um, so they cut to uh, oh, right. They have this weird cut that like I don't I don't even know why this scene's in the movie other than to give Stan well, it's Lee for Stan Lee, a- Lee yeah, know, to be there. Right? Yeah.
1: <laughs> It cuts to, like, uh, Senator Brandt presenting a medal to his close personal friend, Captain America. Yeah. The Captain America's not there, and the guy walks out to inform him that he's not there. And General Stan Lee says, like, oh, I thought he'd be taller. Yeah.
0: Like, this scene has nothing... It's not set up. It's not paid off. It's just here for the Stan Lee cameo. Uh, you, You know, whatever. I guess. It just feels weird. Uh, like, you could just cut to the next scene, and it would it would feel more, like, natural. Right. But, yeah, because now they're back underneath the streets of New York, because... It, well, they're in London or are they now. in London? Okay. Oh, right, you see yeah. all the zeppelins in the sky, uh, which are not common around. I don't think England had zeppelins at that point, but maybe that's a mistake on my part. No, they didn't. did. They? Okay.
1: So, yeah, Steve is drawing on the map all of the... All of the, the Hydra bases that he saw yeah. on the map at the base, because his brain is very good from the super soldiers. Right.
0: So he, he remembers all of them. And uh, Tommy Lee Jones says he's putting together a, a squad of men to hit all these places. And Steve Rogers just says, with all due respect, sir, I already have. And it cuts to the bar.
1: Well, no, you missed the part where the the woman who hands Colonel Phillips the papers is undressing Steve with her oh, eyes. Oh, that's true, yeah, because, oh yeah, that's, very blatantly. that's the lady
0: from later, yes, okay. Yeah. Um, but yeah, all the, uh, I, what, what are they called? What's their name? The Howling Commandos. The Howling Commandos are all gathered around a table, sipping beers, while Steve like, is trying to convince them to join up with him to go get revenge on Hydra.
1: They're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Yeah,
0: they they don't take much convincing. They're like, yeah, all right, cool. <laughs> yeah.
1: the, he has a conversation yeah. with Bucky, and he's like, you want to follow Captain America to the jaws of death?
0: Right. And he's like, no, I want to follow the dumb little idiot boy that didn't know when to back down from a fight from Brooklyn. That's who I want to follow. God, Steve, yeah. please make out with me.
1: Please, Steve.
0: <laughs> For the love of God, Steve. <laughs>
1: so peggy carter walks in in a very nice red dress yes because there's a lot of conversation with
0: very luscious lips tonight
1: yes she has unbroken contact with steve as bucky is trying to talk to her and she is technically answering his questions but like not actually paying attention to him
0: and uh yeah she
1: and he she's basically saying steve you should come dance with me
0: right yeah um I think they say they'll, they'll dance after the mission's over, though, and that's all the more reason to get it done quicker. Right. And uh, they do have a good little comedy bit where she walks away and Bucky's like, oh, no, I'm I'm the you of this friendship now. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we get a little scene of uh, Howard experimenting on one of the, the Tesseract batteries they recovered, and he's just got a little, like, bath bead in some robot arms, and he's like, ah eh, this is... This is weird, but I don't get yeah, what all the fuss is about. And then he, like, zaps it with a little thing, and it makes a huge explosion. Write that down. Um, Steve needs to talk to Tommy Lee Jones about his next mission. And his secretary that was eyeballing him before uh, tells him that, like, he's in a meeting. But you're welcome to wait.
1: <laughs> and then she takes him behind the bookcase and they make out. Right,
0: he, She gives him all this dialogue about, like, you saved so many of those prisoners. I think all their wives back home. The women of America have you to thank. And I'm the only woman here, so let's make out. Why not? And yeah, then...
1: So, okay. Yeah, okay. Like, st- Steve... Like... This scene goes on for like five seconds, like five to seven seconds at least. And Steve is definitely intentionally joining in on this. Yeah,
0: not like not in the first shot, but then Peggy rounds the corner and it cuts back to them. And he does have like his hands on her waist.
1: Right. He is not trying to pull away. No,
0: not in the slightest. (laughs) (laughs) I okay.
1: Yeah, so Peggy Peggy I think is right to be a little upset after she basically just said, "Hey, I want to be your girlfriend." Right.
0: They've had this like slowly building romantic tension between them and yes, yeah, they're it's becoming more and more explicit and then he just makes out with this lady. I I'm sure there's other things I dislike more, but in this moment, my least favorite film thing might be some girl dragged me in for a kiss and then my girlfriend walked in on it. No, like it's
1: it's a weak conflict for sure. Yeah,
0: it's it's yeah, it it yeah, it's bad.
1: Like I I think I would like it more if they were willing to make Steve like a little bit flawed and it's like, "Oh yeah, now that he's hot, he is going to go dancing with all the Again, girls." Again, if
0: they let if they gave him an inferiority complex to struggle with and now he's having his ego fed for the first time in his life and he doesn't know how to handle it, that would yeah. be a good turn for this movie. Yeah. Right. But I, like I get that they want Steve to like just be a perfect golden man. But yeah it, it makes it it makes the movie weaker I think.
1: And then Steve and Howard have a weird conversation about oh a woman, they're so hard to understand.
0: Yeah, what is the <laughs> what the hell? <laughs> uh, this is where Steve does learn that fondue does not mean fucking.
1: No, it's it's bread and cheese. So that my that
0: part of the conversation a plus. The rest of it blah. <laughs>
1: and he gets the vibranium shield made of all the vibranium they got.
0: Yeah, yeah, because they have this whole little conversation about how, Yeah, I heard you like shields. Heard you have a weird obsession with grabbing any large flat object and using it like a shield. So, here you go, I made you some shields. Which one do you like? Oh, I-, I like the one you threw away. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I mean, it's, it's the best one. Right, yeah. He says that vibranium is completely vibration-absorbent.
0: Yeah, they don't really explain what that means in this moment.
1: No, it doesn't actually mean anything. Yeah, I don't
0: think it comes up in this movie.
1: It doesn't really come up in Black Panther, either.
0: Oh, does it not? Yeah, I haven't seen Black Panther Well, yet. I mean, he
1: has a thing where, like, he can, like, store up energy like Zarya. Yeah. And then release it, but that doesn't... Like, that's not...
0: I feel like there are some whatever. scenes in, like, Avengers movies and shit where, like, Thor hits the shield with his hammer and it, like, makes a huge shockwave and that kind of thing. Like, they do some weird stuff with it, but yeah, it's it's doesn't really mean anything. It's just yeah. a very good metal. And, uh, Peggy walks in and she's mad at him, so... He's like, hey, what do you think of this shield? She just takes out her gun and shoots him a bunch and makes him block it.
1: I love this, him, like, poking his head out from under the shield <laughs> yes. with his
0: expressionless face. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, they're both like, man, women, huh? <laughs> they're both just, like, staring at her as she walks away. Uh, Howard also <laughs> makes Steve a new Captain America outfit. And is this, is this different from what he wears in The Avengers? Oh, yes. Okay, I thought so. I think I like... As, like, the, a standard Captain America uniform, I think this one's my favorite. I get why you yeah, like, I like uh, the, the jacket, but, like, obviously that one's straying a little bit from, like, Captain America a bit.
1: Yeah, I like the way uh, the star forms on the back from the straps. Yeah. I like the way the, like, his suspenders form the, the red stripes yeah. on his belly. I like
0: that it kind of just looks like tactical gear, but in the Captain America colors. It doesn't necessarily right. look like a superhero costume. It's not tights, you know? Right. Um... And, uh, we get, um, a season of G.I. Joe in the middle of this movie.
1: (laughs) Right, there's a big montage of them blowing up all the HYDRA bases, and the Red Skull is very mad. Right. And there's a shot where it's, like, where Peggy and Colonel Phillips are watching movies about Captain America. Yeah. There's a shot where he's looking at his compass, and there's a photo of Peggy in there. Yeah, yeah. It's like, oh, he really does care. Right.
0: Yeah, there's shots of them, like, tossing uh, markers off of the map as they get stuff it's like a, it's a good action scene but it does feel again it feels like a season of gi joe in some ways all these hydra guys have laser guns now it's just for a war movie it is very like light and does not feel like it has much stakes to it
1: right no uh, like this was directed by joe johnston okay who also directed the rocketeer okay which is i think a very comparable film in terms of tone sure yeah i mean it's supposed to be like like you said, the fun World War Two. Right,
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. It's um, it, it's a little goofier and cartoonier than I wish it was. I don't need, you know, bloody battlefields and people, you know, getting murdered and shit. But, I don't know. Something about this just feels a little too...
1: Mm, I think something like this is... I think this is close to the right tone you should have for this movie. Yeah. But, I agree, it could have probably been like... If it just acknowledged the realities of World War II just a smidgen more. Right. Like, like like if Thor Ragnarok is a very silly movie, Right. but it still acknowledges why colonialism is bad.
0: Yeah, yeah. Because, like, again, it's, it's, it's a weird point of comparison to go to, but, like, the start of Starship Troopers is similar to the start of this movie, where it's, like, a young man wants to join the army to get in the war, but, like... The part where he gets to fight is horrifying, and the part where Steve Rogers gets to fight is just a fun time where you fight weird cartoon henchmen with weird cartoon laser guns. Right. Like, no one ever on the good guy side gets hurt during this point of the movie. It's, I don't know, it's fun to watch, but I I don't know if I am in love with it. Like I said, I do think the right tone for this movie, like you said, is largely upbeat, but yeah, I think it goes too far. And it goes too far making it a story about Captain America versus Hydra. And, like, at this point, Nazis are not in the movie anymore. This isn't a movie about Nazis anymore. Unless, you know, other no, than, no. obviously, Hydra is, you know, Nazis. But they don't they don't acknowledge that at this point.
1: Yeah, no, th- this is the superhero team versus the supervillain team. It's G.I. Joe Cobra.
0: Yeah, it 100% is. Um, yeah.
1: My favorite part of the montage is when Steve jumps off of a million high-foot tank. Yes. As it blows yeah. up.
0: Uh, but the montage ends with the Red Skull being very mad that Dr.
1: He says, you are failing.
0: Yeah. Uh, cause right at the camera. Right, yes.
1: <laughs> Audience, you are failing.
0: Maybe he's yelling at the director for failing to make this a war movie with any gravitas. <laughs>
1: oh. Okay.
0: But uh, yeah, he's mad at Dr. Zola for not stopping... Um, Captain America and pals. Enzo is like, what do you want from me? I'm a weapons researcher, and you keep, like, working to people to death and killing them? Like, this is hard, man. They find, like, one survivor in the wreckage of this factory, and he's like, I'm sorry, sir, we fought to the last man. And Roscoe's just like, apparently not, and shoots him.
1: Evidently not. Yeah. And he shoots him. Yeah.
0: And then we get... Uh, a scene of all of Captain America's friends up on a ledge on a snowy mountainside, where they have hooked a zip line up to go over a train track because they've heard that Doctor Zola is going to be on a train coming through here. And uh, yeah. I do want to say, I what's the name of the guy with the por- the pork pie hat?
1: I have no idea. Okay,
0: because it has become part of his uniform. He does have like chevrons embossed on it now. Yes, <laughs> it's very stupid, and I like it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, they all sort of zip line down onto this train. Bucky's got some lines, they're like, oh, this is revenge for that time I made you ride the Tilt-A-Whirl. Um, remember that date we went on? I mean, you didn't know it was a date at the time, but maybe we could call it a date retroactively, you know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, there, so... I, th- I think I mentioned before how the guns, the Hydra, the Tesseract guns, make a sound similar to the Iron Man repulsors.
0: Oh, okay, yeah.
1: And the flamethrower guy they fight here, like, just looks exactly like the Iron Man Mark One. He
0: does, and there's no reason for that.
1: No, I think Tony explicitly based the Iron Man Mark One off of this design.
0: Okay, that's that seems goofy and like that that feels like a pointless handshake. Like, just let him invent a suit of armor in a cave with a box of scraps. Like, that didn't need explaining. Um, I, although I do like the basic idea of a flamethrower guy, cause that, it, it, it's a good idea if you're fighting Captain America who can block any bullet, like, okay, well, that's us flamethrower then. Eat, fuck you. Yeah. Um.
1: Vibranium can melt.
0: Yeah. Or, I mean, even if it couldn't, his hand can melt behind it. Um. Yeah. It absorbs vibration, not heat. Uh, mm-hmm. so yeah, we get this scene where, like, Bucky is in one train car fighting a guy, and Cap is in another, and it's a pretty good little shootout. You know, it's a very cramped corridor, and uh, Captain America beats his guy and gets to the car that Bucky's in, and they sort of double-team the guy Bucky's fighting.
1: Yeah, and he, he like, deflects a laser blast, yeah. but then it hits the side of the train and blows open a hole.
0: Yes. And, uh, and Bucky
1: picks up the shield for a second yeah. and shoots the guy, but he gets blown out too, and he's hanging on to the side of the train, and Steve tries to save him. A Bucky falls into the icy river below. Yes, yeah, so this is
0: what I'm talking about, Crystal. I mean, that is a very deep fall, and Bucky doesn't have any superpowers. He'd die here.
1: I guess he is dead. Yeah,
0: he's definitely dead. I mean, look at this. That is that is hundreds of feet. No one's surviving that.
1: But eventually, they do capture Arnim Zola.
0: Yes, uh, we we don't really see that. We don't see like um, Captain America. There is what I mean. He's just like yeah crying while hanging on to the side of this train because his best friend and you know. Other love interest died.
1: Yes, his boyfriend died. Uh, So Colonel Phillips has brought uh, Arnim Zola some meat and potatoes and broccoli. Right. Yeah. He tells. He says everyone we've tried to capture has killed themselves with cyanide. So here's my brilliant theory. You want to live? Yeah. It's it's (laughs) It's my favorite line in the film.
0: (laughs) It is very good. Yeah. This whole scene is good. Um, Yeah. Zola's like, I don't. Oh, I don't eat meat. It disagrees with me. And so Tommy Lee just grabs the tray and starts eating it himself. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so yeah, Art Zola explains that Schmidt is targeting everywhere. He's going to blow all the cities up.
0: Right. Yeah, like intelligence is like what's his target? He's like Ev- literally everywhere. Yes. And uh yeah, it's it's really horrifying that one of the combatants in this war has gotten a hold of a weapon capable of completely destroying cities. Um Anyway, uh, they need to go to Hydra's, like, headquarters and stop him before he can launch his plan. Uh,
1: Before that, Peggy walks, well, the Red Skull gives a big speech about how this is the day, we're gonna bomb all the cities and Hydra will rule the world. Yes. And then Peggy walks in on Steve drinking, and he explains that since his liver is so good from the super soldier serum, he can't get drunk.
0: Yes. Uh, yeah, he's just very sad that Bucky is dead. And, you know, he should be.
1: But Peggy Carter explains, you know, Steve, it it wasn't your fault.
0: Yeah. Which, it, yeah, it definitely wasn't. And, um, he's like, oh, did you read the reports? Then you know that's not true. Like, well, no, it was 100, like, you were, you were in combat? That happens sometimes.
1: Yeah, allow Bucky the dignity of his choice. Yeah. He, he damn well must have thought you were worth it. Right.
0: Uh, it is, again... If they had made Captain America a little more flawed in this movie, just a just a smidge, and made it so that like maybe somehow it was his fault a little bit, I I think again his character arc would would be a it would pop more, you know?
1: Yeah, like if he was like maybe trying to grandstand a little too much during the battle or something. Yeah,
0: exactly. And then, like, this is the moment that brings him down and reminds him to, you know, embrace the good, like, what Dr. Erskine saw in him in the first place and, you know, reject the the temptations that he'd been dealing with. Again, you could make a much stronger Steve Rogers movie if you just were willing to make him, like, 5% flawed.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So, Colonel Phillips explains... That Johan Schmidt's going to blow up the world, so we have to stop him. But we can't invade his base. It's too well guarded. What are we going to do? Just knock down the front door?
0: And Steve Rogers is like, yeah, why, why not? Let's let's do that.
1: It, I mean, yeah, I mean, it goes pretty well. Yeah. yeah so that's what they do. Uh-huh. Steve Rogers goes in by himself on a bike first. I do
0: think this might be the first... I'm trying to remember uh, the past movies we've watched. I think this is the first time that a thing... They do the Marvel movie thing that I don't like. Which is a lot of movies of uh, other movies in the climax have a point where the hero is just like, "Oh no, what am I gonna do? What if I just like did a good job? I'll just do a good job at it and then the those insurmountable odds that'll be fine. Don't worry about it. I'll just do a good job it's It's a recurring problem with these movies that I don't like.
1: Hmm, well, I have an argument against that problem being a problem in Spider-Man.
0: Uh, we'll, yeah, we'll get to Spider-Man Homecoming, uh, eventually, because I definitely think that is a big perpetrator of what I'm describing.
1: But, I mean, that is pretty much what happens in this movie, yes. Yes, and, like... He just does a good job.
0: (laughs) Right. (laughs) And it's, you know, again, they haven't done it before, and it's, it's okay here, but, yeah.
1: But also, like... They've never actually failed an objective before. Like, Bucky died, but they did capture Zola. Yeah, yeah. And they took down all those other Hydra bases easily enough. They have no reason to believe this one should really be any different. Right. Other than it's the big one. Yeah.
0: So, we get some cool action with Captain America. There's definitely no shortage of that in this movie. He's he's riding a motorcycle. He's got a cool bit where he drives past a Hydra guy and yanks the pin out of a grenade on his, like, saddlebag. (laughs) Yeah. It's a good bit. Um... He gets up to the front door and just starts fighting all the guards there, but eventually he gets surrounded by flamethrower guys. Yeah, Iron Man Mark 1. Yes. And, uh, he gets dragged to Schmidt's, uh, like, lair room. The room he's normally in. You know, the set they built for this area. Yeah. Uh, and they get a little bit of speech. Schmidt's like, ah, arrogance is not a uniquely American trait, but you're the best at it. That's not at all what he sounds like. (laughs) No, it was like I started to do a voice like, well, I shouldn't do a German accent. That might be not that might be a little mean, I don't know. And then it just turned into a non-voice.
1: So Johann Schmidt says that Erksein reje- resented his genius and tried to deny him what was rightfully his. Yes. But he gave you everything. What makes you so special?
0: Right. And Captain America says, Nothing. I'm just a kid from Brooklyn.
1: And after Schmidt punches him, he says I can do this all day.
0: Yeah. Call, call him back. But uh, Schmidt says like, oh, I'm sure you can, but I've got a tight schedule to keep. Schedule. Schedule, yes. Excuse me. And we get a shot of a grappling hook hitting the window outside and Captain America goes, me too. And all his boys show up to the party.
1: The boys are back in town. Yeah. So you know, I- And then Colonel Phillips and his boys come in yes. and they shoot the guy and he says, cut off one head, two more shall. And Chester Phillips says, let's go find two more. Best
0: line in the movie. Yes, it is. It is like I didn't see this movie in theaters. That strikes me as a big applause line. Yes, uh, but
1: yeah, like the like some American soldiers are dying, but like they seem to be winning this battle fairly easily. Yeah,
0: like they have not at no point have they really made it. They pay some lip service to the idea that Hydra has all this super advanced weaponry and they're like crazy dangerous and they need to be dealt with. But, like, they're, they're kind of just stormtroopers that can't hit anything ever and just die very fast. Right. Like, like, there's occasionally some extras in the background that get killed, but that's it, really. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Again, th- I think that's a big part of what makes this feel so, like, too, like, light and puffy. I don't know. Right. Um, but as they're blowing everything up, Schmidt is trying to get away, and he gets in his plane... So, Captain America and Phillips and Carter all get into his dumbass giant car. Yes. <laughs> well, Schmidt tries to make a break for it with the Tesseract. Um, but uh- And,
1: yeah, Peggy kisses him right right before he jumps onto the wheels of the plane. Right, and then Phillips gets... And then he looks back at Colonel Phillips, <laughs> and Tom Lee Jones says, I'm not kissing him. Yeah, uh,
0: not again, good moment. Uh, but, yeah. That's his
1: final line. I think it
0: is, yeah. Uh, yeah. Captain America jumps onto, like, a wheel of the jet, and, uh, you know, as it gets pulled up into the plane, he's he's on board. And he starts sneaking around the, like, hangar on this thing, and at first, this looks like a bunch of bombs, but I guess these are little mini, like, aircraft that have the actual payload on them?
1: I guess so. They're marked with the names of cities. Right, in English. And it does very dramatically pan over to the one that says New York. <laughs> yes. And there's a musical stand.
0: Yes, like... Oh, I mean, oh no, shit, it hit Chicago, oh no, oh Boston. Yeah, because
1: Steve like jumps onto one of the airplanes and they have a fight in the air and he pilots the airplane back onto the big airplane, Yeah, the Valkyrie. He
0: crashes it onto the big airplane and is yes. fine because all aircraft are perfect, all, all vehicles can never kill you. Yeah. uh, But yeah, he, he fights his way through all of them, he gets to the cockpit, him and Red Skull have a little tussle. It's, it's not much of a tussle this no, one. No, it's not.
1: Yeah, at some point the Tesseract chamber gets like damaged and the Red Skull grabs hold of the Tesseract and he's like entranced by it. Yeah. And then it summons an image of Yggdrasil and it teleports him somewhere. Yeah,
0: it just shoots him up in a big beam of light into space.
1: Yeah, it's kind of an anticlimactic final battle.
0: Um, I don't mind that it's an anticlimactic final battle, other than they keep teasing throughout this movie what a strong man that Schmidt is. Yeah. Like, if they just kind of not bothered with that, like, I'm- we talked about it in Iron Man 1, I'm good with them having a villain who's more of a schemer. That's good. Sure. Schmidt
1: says, you could have the power of the gods, Yeah. yet you wear a flag on your chest and think you fight a battle of nations. I've seen
0: the future. There are no flags not my
1: future right <laughs> which okay yeah right <laughs> like is is that really going to be your big thematic like cap on this movie yeah uh-huh
0: it's not a good line to end on uh again i mean hmm. captain america is a hard character to do well because his name is captain america <laughs> right. there's ways to do it um, but it takes a lot of care and you have, like, cause otherwise he just comes off as propaganda. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they, I don't think they managed to avoid that trap in this movie very well. They barely try, I'd say. Hmm. Hmm. <laughs> but the, uh, the plane got damaged by all the shenanigans and, uh. Yeah, it's power source is gone. It's power source is gone.
1: You see the Tezzerac kind of like burn through the ship and then fall into the ocean. Yes.
0: And uh, Captain America gets on the radio with Peggy. Or he gets on the radio with with Jim, and Peggy, like, shoves him off the radio. Oh, yeah, it is Jim. <laughs> yeah.
1: God, Jim, I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> Jim deserved better.
1: Yeah, so, like, Captain America explains that there's not really a safe way to land this plane. He's going to have to crash it in the North Atlantic, where at least it, if it blows up, it's not going to hurt anyone.
0: Right. Yeah. And, uh... You know, Peggy is, like, panicking, trying to figure out something they can do other than that. And Steve's just like, no, this is my choice. This is." What Luke, did you ever...
1: <laughs> what's that? Did you ever participate in internet arguments about this scene?
0: I haven't participated in inter- internet arguments about this scene. But is it is the argument that there's other ways he could have, like, landed this plane?
1: Yeah, I mean, what are some other ways he could have done it?
0: I mean could have just pulled up and like had a gentle water landing that like wouldn't be the most safe thing but you know not a crash into a glacier i guess so like i i think they all, all it would really take to thwart any of those arguments is a few insert shots of like the flaps on the plane not working or something make it a little more clear that steve really doesn't have that much control All he can really do is either put it down now or let it crash later.
1: Also, like, Steve's not a pilot and Peggy isn't either, so maybe neither of them could, like, think of that.
0: That's true. Yeah. It's, um... I think... I don't think it's a problem with the movie, but I do think they could have done a little bit to make it clear that, like, there are no options here. Yeah. It, it, you, you could have solved that kind of problem with about, you know, 10 seconds of footage, you know?
1: But anyway, S- Steve and Peggy set up a date next Saturday at the Stork Club, 8 o'clock on the dot, and they're going to dance for the first time. Yes. But then Steve is cut off because he died in the Atlantic.
0: Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. There, there, you see a glacier that he's, like, crashing down into, and uh, that's that's how his story ends. Or is it? Because no, it's not. Oh, okay. <laughs>
1: yeah, I mean, they celebrate Victory in Europe Day. They toast to the captain. Yes. And then it cuts to black. Right. Oh, and the- Howard Stark finds a the tesseract.
0: They do. Celebrate he's like, V-E- keep looking for the captain. They do celebrate VE Day, which has nothing to do with anything that happens in this movie. Oh, you know, completely separate thing.
1: Yeah, because like they're not even fighting Germany anymore. They're fighting this separate rogue terrorist organization. Right.
0: Exactly. Uh but yeah
1: they find the tesseract and they're going to keep looking for Steve. Yes. And Peggy looks at Steve's file and in it is a picture of the skinny Steve. Yeah. And she cries.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's all good wrap up stuff. Um
1: Yeah, then the movie ends. And then
0: the movie ends. There's a weird shot of like a kid playing with like a handmade Captain America shield in the street. Yeah. It's like it, it's a good shot to have but it like there's no it just cuts to that and then he runs across the street and it just ends i don't know it feels like i i would almost wonder if there's yeah, look, maybe what, some more to that scene that got cut
1: so what do you think about the movie
0: like, well the crystal crystal we're not done what? yet what do you because mean steve rogers really opens his eyes <gasps>
1: what? what oh he's like listening to some kind of baseball game or something
0: yeah he's in a he's in what looks like kind of a an apartment you know yeah there, there's a baseball game playing on the radio and he's Immediately, like, disoriented, doesn't understand what's going on. A nurse walks in, and he starts asking her where he is. Because that is a baseball game from 1941. He knows because he was at that game. Which, why not just get a baseball game from after he crashed the plane?
1: Someone, I mean, someone got fired over this, for oh, sure. Oh, yeah,
0: 100%. Like, <laughs> just get one from 1945, you guys.
1: Oh, well, yeah.
0: Ugh. But uh, he yeah
1: someone just said like oh get one from the forties and they're like okay right
0: Uh, he gets more and more like panicked which scares the nurse so she calls some guards in he freaks out and bursts through a wall and we see that this entire apartment was like a set inside of a giant vault room yeah uh which is pretty good it's it's a good visual and uh, yeah he's running through a corridor of a bunch of suited up dudes. Uh, And then he runs out on the street, and it's all modern cars, and he's in Times Square! But modern day! What are these TVs? What the heck? By golly, what's going on?
1: Nick Fury walks up to him. Yes. And explains that he's been asleep for almost 70 years. Yeah, and they
0: were trying to ease him into it slowly. Right. But we got the wrong baseball game and fucked it all up. Yeah. Uh,
1: And Steve... Takes it pretty well, honestly. In the
0: grand scheme of things, he takes it pretty well. He's a little panicked, but he's just like, I'm okay. It's just, I had a date.
1: I had a date.
0: Okay. I don't like the ending scene of this movie. You don't want... Why not? Okay. I like the stuff where he's panicked and running out of the set and all that. It's because this movie had a very obvious ending that they didn't do. Oh, yeah? The last scene of this movie should have been, like, he gets confronted by Nick Fury, and we just cut away. We get what happened. He's in present day. We don't need it said. And it just cuts to Steve Rogers showing up at a nursing home and asking a very old Peggy Carter if he's if she's still willing to dance with him and then credits as they have their first dance finally
1: oh that would have been good i do like the i have a date line but that would have been better yeah.
0: like that's obviously the way to end this movie yeah Ah, it, it annoys me very much. It doesn't happen anyway. That's the end of the movie. We get a post-credit scene that uh,
1: it's. What's well, not even really a post-credit scene It's just a trailer for the Avengers. You're
0: right. Yes, it's yes.
1: It's like, did they have to pay like Robert Downey Jr. to show up in this
0: movie? Uh, that's a good question. I I don't know enough about how like Hollywood contracts work to know.
1: Yeah, like technically, Iron Man and Thor and Black Widow and Loki and the Hulk are in this movie. Technically.
0: Technically, yeah. I don't know if that counts or... I don't know. Um,
1: like, I love that they just left this in on the DVD, like, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like,
0: it's like how um, The Matrix Reloaded has a trailer for The Matrix Revolutions at the end of it. Right. Or uh, Back to the Future 2 does that, too, because they had shot both of yeah. those movies together. So, yeah, they, and it's not even just footage. It's like, we get title cards like, This summer, some assembly may be required. Right. <laughs> Yeah, so we get just random shots of uh, Avengers. We do get a scene before that leading into it. That's just Steve Rogers punching a punching bag. That's all. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's Captain America colon the first Avenger. What what do, what do you think about this movie, Crystal? Having rewatched it and, and talked about it all.
1: Yeah, no, I'm I'm feeling kinda down on this movie, honestly.
0: Yeah, I am too. I'm I am bummed out because this whole time I've been thinking all right, all these movies are kind of whatever, but I remember Captain America being pretty good. That'll be a good one to get to.
1: Yeah, I really like this movie, and except now I don't. Now
0: I don't, and part of it is that the last seven years of American history have happened, and it's weird in that context.
1: It was definitely easier to like this movie when I was 18.
0: It, yeah, I, I'm older, and the world is different than it was in 2011. Um, yeah. But even that aside, it's, it is a little weak like dramatically he like said steve rogers doesn't really have a good character arc and again that's okay but you gotta give someone else a very strong character arc then and that doesn't happen either it's just a lot of things happen sequentially and they're fun scenes with fun characters but there's no like narrative to it to really get invested in and that's a bummer
1: how would you rate it on a scale of a to f
0: Huh. Well, okay. We said we 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 settled on a B for Thor, right? Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good as Thor, and I'm surprised I'm saying. God, that. I
1: yeah, I'm really surprised I'm saying that. Uh, but I think this movie is worse than Thor. Yeah.
0: And then we gave Iron Man one a B minus, right?
1: Yes. You think this movie's as good as Iron Man?
0: That's. I think it might be about on par with Iron Man.
1: Mm, that's yeah. That's about what I'm thinking. Because
0: it's uh the action is very fun. It might even be slightly better than Iron Man because I, I like the climax of this movie.
1: Would you prefer to have problematic portrayals of World War II or problematic portrayals of the war in Afghanistan?
0: I think I'd rather go with problematic portrayals of World War II. Because, okay. again, it's not even... To me, it's not even necessarily the portrayal of World War II that's problematic. It's that we don't need to keep telling ourselves stories about what cool, awesome heroes we were. Because that's... Yeah. Like, it's not that you're... Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's definitely an oversimplification, but, like... Sure, yeah, we fought the Nazis, but like that's you know, we we know. We we can move on. Um so yeah, I I, I think this movie's better than Iron Man One, but I do still think about a B minus is where I'd put it.
1: Yeah, like uh four star border of three sounds right.
0: Yeah, yeah. Are
1: we gonna agree five times in a row, like?
0: <laughs> We are Okay. Uh yeah, it's it is very weird. I was expecting to be down on Thor and up on this, and I'm my positions got reversed on him.
1: Damn. Man. Luke, where can people send us questions? They can
0: send us questions to uh, mcucompleteme at gmail.com. Crystal, I like our name, MCU Complete Me. It's a funny Jerry Maguire joke. I am a little concerned that the abbreviation of our show is McCuckum. It's not a great acronym.
1: You don't care for McCuckum? I don't
0: know if I care for McCuckum.
1: Why don't you care for McCuckum? Well, because
0: it's got the word cuck in there, mainly.
1: <laughs> okay. I mean, it doesn't have to.
0: I mean, it does, though. It's-
1: we received a two questions okay. on Twitter.com. All right. If you would like to read them uh, while I look up a Captain America uh, joke.
0: Yeah, sure. Uh, let's see here. Uh from Jasmine Marsh, we got Does Luke know what happens to dead characters in this movie? Was the love interest lady Peggy? Done dirty? How do you feel about the head replacing CGI? Do you feel like the fake hospital room was a deliberate test for Steve? How did Papa Stark get so much vibranium? Okay, uh... Let's see. I, I did know... I know what happens to Bucky at the very least. I don't remember any other, like, characters dying in this movie that come back. You
1: know what happens to the Red Skull?
0: Uh... I just saw that today because I like, looked up the Space Stone because I thought that might be relevant. And I saw that he comes back in Infinity War.
1: Oh, yeah. It's one of the good parts of he that gets, movie. He
0: gets, like, teleported to the realm where the Soul Stone's being held, right? Yeah. And he's, like, the guardian of the Soul Stone now. Okay. Sure. Um, And uh, let's see. Was the love Interest done dirty? I think a little bit. I, I would have liked to see her have a stronger character arc.
1: Boy, do I have a show for you. I know.
0: I know you do. <laughs> uh, how do you feel about the head-replacing CGI? I, again, like, they, it's surprisingly very well done. Yeah. But it's well done to the point where I'm a little unsettled to see Chris Evans' head on another body. Uh, I don't know if the fake hospital room was a test. Like, I, I buy Nick Fury's yeah. explanation that, like, we were just gonna slowly introduce you to the idea that it's 2000-whatever. What year is it canonically when he wakes up, Crystal?
1: 2012. 2012,
0: okay. Uh... And then how did, yeah, how did Howard Stark get that vibranium?
1: He stole it, of course.
0: Now, did he steal it, or did America steal it?
1: Ah, well, you know. Okay. What's the difference?
0: Because, uh, <laughs> like, I, I don't know, because I haven't seen Black Panther. Does that come up in Black Panther?
1: Uh, they don't mention that.
0: Okay. It's just, hey, there's... But I have to
1: assume, at like, at some point, someone went into Wakanda and stole some vibranium, and then the Allies got their hands sure. on it.
0: yeah. Yeah, you can definitely, yeah, infer, but, yeah. Uh, and then our only other Twitter question this time came from powerful sapphic aura. Have you all seen this gif? It's very good, I think. It's a
1: very good it's,
0: gif. To be clear, it is the gif of uh, Captain America punching out Hitler over and over, and then it cuts to that dude that punched out. Uh, it's Richard Spencer, right? That's correct. Okay, because I kept getting him confused with Nick Spencer, the guy who made the very bad Captain America storyline.
1: Luke, where can people find you online?
0: Uh, they can find me on Twitter at ssj SSJSpeedRacer. Uh, you can find me on audioentropy.com on a whole bunch of shows like Teenagers of Attitude or Let's Place, which I do with you, uh, or Totally Reprise, where we talk about the Totally Spies cartoon for way too long. But it's a fun time. You
1: can find me at Arcane Crystal. You can find me on the Book of Midora podcast and AudioEntropy.com, where we discuss the lore of the Legend of Zelda series. You can also find me on the Let's Plays podcast, where we scientifically and objectively uh, rank every video game according to quality.
0: Hey, Crystal. Yeah. Do you want to hear a joke about Captain America?
1: Oh, have you found
0: one? I've got I've got one ready to go. Okay. <laughs> America. Am I right?
1: I don't like. That one. <laughs> Which superhero spends too much time in the sun?
0: Um. I don't know.
1: Cap-tan America. (sighs) Goodbye, everybody. (laughs) Goodbye.